M giggled and held on to Bond's neck as he ran up the stairs to the spare room they'd been using for the past few months. M hadn't gone into the room for a while, and she saw that Bond had redecorated. There were candles all around. He placed her on the edge of the bed and moved to light the candles. On the bedside table, there was massage oil, lubricant, and a box of condoms. My... No, for I can't. No, the voice no, no, get the fuck out of here. No, we're doing spies. Exceptionally dirty, boy. We're doing spies. We're, we're leaving it at that. We're gonna kill Chris in a second. Your sons are coming. We're doing spies. We're done here. Let's go. Chris is dead. This isn't compromised. We are just doing a two-man show. Tucky is here. Just us two. That is it. Hi, everyone. We're doing spies. Um. Yeah, Tyler. I told you. So you know, a little bit, a little bit behind the scenes stuff here for everyone listening. Um, I said I had a terrible idea for a cold open, and I said, Tyler, I might need you to interrupt me towards the end. And he said, You know what, Chris? I'm gonna let you keep going beyond that. And Tyler, I'll have you know, I have what looks to be about ten pages of M. James Bond fan, fan fiction. Is that yep. why you went to Open here on Incognito. I got 10 pages because this was the one that was the that was not too That was your taste. Okay. It was yeah, it was, you know, it's it was a lot of build up, a lot of romance between the characters. It's not too explicit. Just just That's the right fun. level of well, uh, okay, yes, you want me to keep going? I got hold on, where, where was I right here? I was reading before. Because I kept going while I was waiting for Tyler to come back. Like, what do you mean to come back? I can't I killed you. You're, the assassins are coming, you're dead. James' fingers touched her. Nope. And slid over her. <laughs> nope. God, finger, God. <laughs> <laughs> what he can do with that pinky. Oh, God. Welcome, everybody, to 321 Binge. I am your host, Ramirez. Chris Ramirez. Uh, with my uh, with our guest today, uh, my girlfriend, Tatiana Redman. Hello. <laughs> and, um, you know, an old-time staple, uh, Daniel Craig's Bruce Testicles, Tyler Zucker. <laughs> you oh, went for it staple. anyway. <laughs> 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 oh, stable. Okay, you... you're an old classic, Tyler. Uh, you're an old, an old fan favorite of the show. You love having him on. I, I hate you. It's been a little bit since his last showing up, but uh, you I know, it's a great you. time and everything. <laughs> when was the last um, time? Wait, what are you referring to? <laughs> absolutely nothing, yeah, Tyler. What? I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm doing what I do best. You don't try to make sense of Chris. Don't try to make sense of me. I'll just start reading James Bond fanfic to you. You have that saved there, don't you? Please, I have a tab. bookmark. I the one tab. I'll have you know, I had to read through about three or four of these just to find one I liked. I'm a I'm a very picky. <laughs> okay, we're done. Um, He's saving yeah, that for do... later. Uh, it's gonna minimize that. Gonna save it for uh, after the podcast. Oh, like right after. <laughs> a, little, a little light bedtime reading. <laughs> Something to help me fall asleep at night. A little. <laughs> It's, a, it's, it's a comfort. Are you sure it's going to help you fall asleep? I don't know. It might keep you up a little bit. Ah, only for a few minutes. Anyhow. <laughs> seconds, maybe. <laughs> I got one or two. This is what happens when Faison's not here. This is what happens when Faison's not here. <laughs> Faison was actually... You guys all think that Tyler is the one stopping me because he's so adamantly against me. But no, it's really Faison who keeps me in check. Otherwise, I can start doing shit like this. Um, yeah, we're doing spies. Uh, you know, Faison you know is, is compromised and he is uh, almost dead, we think. Yeah, we... we he, we think that he's in somebody's basement in Budapest or something like that. Whether he's there of his own free will, totally different question. But um, actually, you know what? I, I didn't want to say he's in Israel right now. Uh, he was fighting against the apartheid. What is wrong with you? 
So many things. Absolutely everything possible. Uh, who's who's Tyler? Start us off here this week, would you please? I hate you, Before I say something stupid. I, I hate you so much. I don't know if I hated you in, in any more episode more than I do right now. <laughs> like, I've said I hate you multiple times. I don't know if I hate you more now or when I said it before. I don't even remember when was, I said it before. Was it the Judy Dench voice? Is that what really did it to you? Was it? No, it was the beginning. Oh, of, it was the once I like after the second sentence when I kind of realized what it was. And then you started to go like the moment you started. I was like, I right, no, I can't let it go. No, cut it right here. Nuke it. Just shoot it in the head. Oh, I told you, Tyler, you don't want to know how bad the guy. <laughs> All right. Starting off uh, Casino Royale, the 2006 James Bond movie, the 21st. In the series and the first one of Daniel Craig, it's a different take on Bond. It's not like the goofy gadgets of the like Pierce Brosnan movies and the yeah. It's not like a, it's not about goofy gadgets. It's not about wacky like surfboarding while shooting. I don't know what fucking movie that was. I think that's Tomorrow Never Dies. Maybe because I think that's the one where the villain decides to melt the uh, the ice caps for a tidal wave, and then Pierce Brosnan has to like. Ride the ice, ice cap while shooting. Gun. Yep. Yeah, I think that's that one. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a more grounded uh, and a uh, serious look, and it starts off with the opening scene is uh, Bond uh, getting his license to kill. He kills two people because they were traitors. You know, I want to just start before we get technically right into the movie itself. I want to ask everyone here: What is your experience with the James Bond franchise? Daniel Craig. That it for you, Tyler? Yep. Okay, Tati, this is this is your first. This is my first. Case. This is my first Bond film. This is our first Bond film. Um, I, I, I'm, I actually did not expect this. Apparently, I'm the Bond head of the group now. Um, I did Bond watch. Heads? I've. Uh, hold on, James Bond movie. Well, how many actors have you seen as Bond? Uh, I think at least three. Because I've seen obviously Daniel Craig. I saw. I saw a lot of the Pierce Brosnan movies. I'll say twenty-one had, Bond films. Yeah, yep. I saw. I had the Pierce Brosnan movies. Um, the uh, Sean Connery films, and I think I saw one of the ones with. What's this guy's name? What was what was Dalton? Roger Roger Moore? I think I saw oh. one with Roger Moore. I think it was, I think it was for your eyes only. Hmm. I've actually seen a surprising amount of Bond's movies. Not 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 all of them. I think I saw actually almost all of the Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Isn't Enough, Die Another Day. Holy shit! I saw, I saw all of those. Isn't Golden Eye the best one? Ah, uh, is uh, Tomorrow Never? No, one of the right, Golden Eye is Golden Eye is not Pierce Brosnan, is it? Is, Isn't it? No, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is Pierce Brosnan. I forgot which tomorrow one never it. dies. Is, tomorrow's never dies is not good. World is not enough is dumb if I remember correctly. And die another day. I had them on VHS. They're not. They're. It's a weird era of Bond. It's definitely like the goofy gadget shit. This is the goofy gadget area because Bond wasn't always like this. Like it had dumb shit, but it never necessarily was like it didn't necessarily feel. What new gadget is he using? What new spy car is he using? Yeah. Yeah, especially like with the older films, I feel like I haven't. I think I only watched. Did I watch? I've watched either From Busher with Love or Goldfinger, and I watched it a long time ago. And those movies felt relatively grounded um, from my memory, especially compared to, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies stuff like that. Um, it, so I guess because whenever I was looking at reviews of Casino Royale, it felt like people were saying that this movie brought like a breath of fresh air to the Bond, the Bond, the Bond, the Bond, Bond, the Bond, the Bondiverse. Um, and it, to me, it felt like more of was going back to its roots, a kind of back to basic uh, approach with James Bond as a character, going to this more grounded, Chaos realistic guy. story. Yeah. yeah. But then also trying to develop the character in it, actually in any way whatsoever, honestly, considering that like Bond as a character is a pretty stagnant 
peace over the course of these movies. He doesn't really change very much. He's just the same kind of guy. I think the way I saw somebody put it, not 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 in the Daniel Craig films. I'm talking about. No, in, I know in that, but I'm saying uh, uh, those movies they have continuity because the Bond film, the Daniel Craig ones do. They have loose continuity, if I recall correctly. And like the, they're implied to have continuity, but it's kind of self-contained. That That's what I mean. Like compared to those where he's yeah. at least the ones saving I've the seen. world, and like yeah, I guess again I haven't seen them, so like. I'll save the word one time. You might get a reference to the other movie, but for the most part, it doesn't matter. This yeah. one, like Quantum of Solace, the sequel to Casino Royale, takes place immediately after this. It keeps going. Which I was actually surprised about. Because, uh, yeah, like you're saying, you know, the other movies are pretty self-contained stories. And because of that, Bond is pretty much just a stagnant person over the course of them all. And it kind of comes to like, uh, I think I saw somebody put it in one of like the letterbox reviews. They said that he is like the epitomized man for each generation and every time he kind of changes he's just like that ideal dude you know what i mean yeah, so he's yeah, not really as much he's a character yeah he's a caricature and not a character right um whereas in this one that's definitely not the case even off of the first film alone they actually give him like something to do and think about for in any of the runtime mm. um but yeah i was actually surprised that quantum of solons takes off right after because i did not know there was any meaningful continuity between these movies i didn't realize that. I, I actually yeah yeah I never watched Casino Royale, it turns out. I was thinking about Quantum of Solace, which I, I only watched the second half of. I apparently, I've only seen for the Craig, I mean, yeah, I've only seen Craig movies for Bond. I've only seen this one and uh, Spectre. I've seen Skyfall. No, 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 not Spectre. Uh, yeah, I Skyfall. I like Skyfall a lot, actually. Here's the thing but apparently, only... every other movie is good. Like, people love the Casino. People don't like Quantum. People love Skyfall. People don't like Spectre. So I didn't I'm, like Spectre. So I'm hoping No Time Left to Die is amazing. It has Ender the Armor, so I have a good feeling about it. And Rami Malek is a villain. And Rami Malek is a villain. I mean, like, I, I would actually really like a tighter continuity among these films because I know Spectre's whole deal that it was selling in the trailers was like, Someone this guy back. is like, Bonus, yeah. yeah, it was like, I'm the architect of all your pain, which implies that like he was tied to the rest of the Daniel Craig films, but I don't think it ended up being that way from what I remember. From what I heard, it was a stupid way to do it, and they wasted Walt. Yeah, I can't believe you waste Christoph Waltz. Well, he's in, in the new movie. one. Oh, is he? Oh, that's good. Okay, so he's not wasted. Well, in the um, movie, yeah, but I mean, he's still there, apparently. I don't, again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, but I mean, all in all, I, I like that there's continuity. I actually wish, I hope they double down on that the further they go with it. Which is the last one? Of, this is the last one? For Craig, supposedly. Oh, okay. Whenever, whoever, whenever they switch off Bond to somebody else in like the next five years, I hope they actually double down on the continuity stuff because I think that's fun. Hmm. Back to the um, movie. I do want to say the cast and this is fucking great. Oh yeah, Matt. I like Matt and as the Matt. Like he's the antagonist throughout the majority of the movie, but like it, the bigger villain is later on. But I like him a lot as the Le Chief. Yeah, Le Chef. Yeah. Le Chouf. yeah, I liked him too. I mean, Mads is great in everything he's in. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. Mads Mikkelsen. He's kind of just fucking fantastic. Daniel Craig. I can definitely see how back because I remember a little bit back then that people were a bit apprehensive about him in the role. Yeah. I can see that. He doesn't really have a traditional Bond face. You know what I mean? He doesn't have necessarily like the Pierce Brosnan jawline or like, you know, the Sean, Car Sean Connery charisma. He's a very different take on the character. And I think that's fitting. And I think that uh, Daniel Craig actually does a really good job in this movie with it. Oh, yeah. I think he's great as Bond. Yeah. Eva Green, also really good as uh, one right. of our classic Bond girls who is that's destined good. to die. Yeah. I mean, like every uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, every Bond. Um, if if James Bond sleeps with somebody, it's a death sentence. 
Yeah, he he, he is like a, his dick is a black widow. It's it's not a praying mantis. What's the ass the insect I was thinking of? <laughs> Tyler's just looks of disapproval, just constant at me this episode. Yeah, pretty much. There's a movie in this franchise called Octopussy, Tyler. Am I supposed to keep it PG? I knew about that one. Yeah, well, there's that's my point, Tyler. Someone out there probably did. Um, so uh, Tyler, you you really like this movie, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Tell me why. Uh, for this, but I don't know. So obviously, the main point of the movie is that uh, Bond goes to this casino tournament, not casino, poker tournament, in order to win money to drain the the chief who's a he gives his money to terrorists so they can have the weapons and shit so he wants to drain the money so he can come to either America for the CIA or to MI6 so they can find out who he's funding the poker the poker scenes itself are great Mm -hmm. I for one like actually like poker and gambling so seeing that plus that was Mm, probably going to be easy shut up was probably going to (laughs) be exciting for me anyway but the fact that it is just like really done to keep the tension going and like you thinking about what hand everyone has it's fun uh the action scenes are pretty great throughout uh what else oh the car i love the car the car crash at the end when it flips like 17 times car crash at the end that's like when when he like uh misses vesper right yeah 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 the car oh what? oh that really? one yeah i'm sorry no i'm sorry yeah no because like to me that's not the end to me the end is okay like, yeah but I mean, like, like, yeah it's like 20 what? minutes after that like, yeah, yeah i know you confuse that confuse the shit out of me i think it's fair to be like what the fuck i don't remember a car crash at that scene but then when you mentioned that yeah okay yeah no that's a good car i think so i like that i like that scene because i think like when they kind of cut to her being in the middle of the road i think that's like a nice kind of like oh, subversion shit. of expectations yeah. yeah yeah so tyler i want you to to is that it? Is there more? I want you to like. I really want you to explain your case here because I have probably a bit of a controversial opinion on this one. Nothing, nothing too negative, but mm, I remember some of the dialogue is real fun. Like when Vespa and him are on the train talking to each other. That's a good just back and forth. That's true. There is one mm-hmm. scene I really like where um when he wins that one guy's car in a game of poker, and he's like, "Oh, and the valet ticket." Oh uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's good. I okay. So I'm gonna just lay out my thoughts here, and I, these thoughts are pretty similar to Tati's. Hers are a little bit different, um, but I think they're gonna be most different from yours, which is what I'm interested by. I I keep seeing people say like this is the best Craig movie. This is like some people even saying this is the best Bond movie. I don't know how I feel about that because I I would say That's that Skyfall. Well, yeah, I actually would say Skyfall personally, but even beyond that, with this looking at this movie alone personally, I find myself in a bit of a weird position with it because. It, I don't think the pacing is very good in this. I think the pacing's so kind of met. <laughs> see, she thinks it drags so bad. I think the pacing's a little messy. I can or see in the that... opening scene. <laughs> like, see, like, okay, I get that the opening scene, I get what you're saying, that the opening scene. Well, actually, I like the opening scene. The Madagascar stuff? Or no, the, talking, the one even. I'm talking about the, like the, the little noir nod in the beginning. I have the black no and white main... one when he's in yeah. there. Like, I get why they. You don't necessarily need that. It's just, um, oh, it's him getting his license to kill, and this is a quick way to do it. It's like, ah, you didn't exactly need it, but it's whatever. Him in in Madagascar is good. I love it. That's probably got to be one of my favorite sequences in the movie, is the Madagascar chase. I think that is very easily the best action set piece in this film, Um, without a doubt for me. I think that's the best one one of those. Uh, I do then immediately hate the Miami set piece. 
Let me. Oh, the plane shit. The, the plane and the bomb. Yeah, I oh, okay. couldn't. That's about. That's like twenty five minutes that I could not personally care at all about. And to me, it goes on for so long. And I would have much rather it cut from Miami and it just go sh- just start going towards Casino Royale. Because once we actually get to the casino, and not the casino, I guess, but to the poker tournament, yeah, it's fucking great. That whole like second act of the movie is like top tier. I fucking love that. I love the poker game. It, the tension in it is like insanely high. You know, Mad uh, Matt's character kind of like manipulating his tell to trick Bond is just super fucking good. And every time someone does this risky fucking play, it feels insanely tense when they're going all in. Like it really works that whole sequence. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see that too. Um, but at the same time, like that whole that whole thing in Miami, and then in in the Bahamas, and then even later in the film with with Vesper's betrayal, it just it just feels like it also there's certain things about this movie that go on for so long, and I, I kind just, of feel I, that I, I get that that in Miami I don't mind it. I get that yeah you're not wrong, and that they could just manipulate that to make it shorter. The thing that I found weird with the pacing is when uh, after he like survives the torture with the uh, rope into his dick scene, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when they get to Venice and it's basically a short love, like multiple love scenes with Vesper and him, movie kind of feels different. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. It feels like it's it feels like I should have walked out of the here? theater. <laughs> yeah, it feels like I should have walked out of the theater a little while ago. It just, it just. He just decides to keep going. Yeah, that and that was weird. The action itself is good, but I don't necessarily care about the conflict. Like, I don't know who this weird man with the the eye patch glasses is. I don't care. I don't. I Bond is blowing stuff up, and this building is sinking. It's like, eh, you know, like like this movie feels like it would have been crazy in two thousand six. Like as an action movie, Which this probably, movie feels yeah. like it would have. Yeah, probably was. Yeah. It probably was like it would have blown people's minds away. But probably we live in the like era. Yeah, we live in the era of the John Wick films. If we're talking about purely hand-to-hand combat, like gunplay type movies, this doesn't come even close. So in terms of like, you know, the pizzazz and the set pieces, it it, it doesn't feel like it's, it, it hasn't really kept up to its contemporaries that came out recently, you know? That's Which fair. I think is just fair to, to say. It's not the movie's fault per se. No. It's just a situation where, it, you know, if you look at like its competitors these days, there are movies that outshine it in that area. And then when you add its weird pacing, it doesn't help definitely doesn't help his case especially like even if you compare it to other movies in the bond franchise which i would definitely do for skyfall which i think is fantastic uh, yeah i remember liking that one a lot but i've only seen it once in theaters saw it about two or three times it's, it's good i like it a lot yeah i mean javier bardem is the villain isn't he he's fucking yeah it's javier bardem come on it's 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 sugar but like he gets a lot more dialogue yeah so it's it's fucking great um which actually you know what i do want to say for all these bond movies that that i the ones that I recognize, they really do get perfect casting for their villains. Even if they fuck up using them. Even if they fuck up. Yeah. Christopher Waltz, Javier Brandem, Mads Mikkelsen. Just wow. Some great fucking castings. Uh, Rami Malik now. It's it's impressive. It's impressive. Um, I do want to say, you know, as, as part of Bond tradition, I do like the little the Bond opening sequence. Oh, they're always amazing. They're always great. This song, not as good as Skyfall, just gonna say it. But uh, you know, it's good. It's a good opening sequence. Um I do want to say that I think I, I want to know how you feel about this, because to me, right, it feels like they were going something with Bond's character here. And I don't know if it's a situation where I'm making mostly conjecture or if it's it's kind of really there. Bond is boring as shit until he begins interacting with Eva Green's character. 
And I think that wasn't on purpose. You think it wasn't on purpose? I think it was. I think it was on purpose. I don't think he's boring. I think he's really uncharismatic and uninteresting. And I, at first, when I was seeing that sequence, when I was getting there, I'm like, man, this really, this he feels worse here than he does in any other Bond movie he's in that I've seen. And it just feels worse than even previous Bond, like, actors that I've seen. I wonder why that feels. But then once he starts interacting with Eva Green's character, um, my opinion on that changes drastically. I think that actually he, he starts to feel great as far the further the movie goes on with, with that interaction. And I feel like, and again, maybe conjecture, I feel like this is kind of a part of that, that idea that they have here about kind of change, how they wanted to change Bond, right? Until he meets Vesper, he is, he is a care. He's just a Bond caricature. He's this stoic guy. He doesn't really have much, he doesn't really have much personality at all going for him until that point. Well, and he does have that, like, like his, except for the scenes with, like, M, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, even those are more just, like, I'm a wild card. It's like, okay, yeah, Bond's, Bond's kind of always been a bit of a wild card, depending on the movie, right? I think he was a wild card in No Time for Die. Um, so it's like, there's nothing, he doesn't feel like a character. He just feels like, here is your agent, here's James Bond. And then once he starts interacting with Vesper, he kind of starts opening up a bit. He starts growing attached to her and he starts actually becoming a character who's letting his walls down and having an, an emotional response to her as a person, right? And that's kind of where the complexity of James Bond lies in this film, I feel. It's that he has been this blunt instrument for the first part of the movie. He's a tool and he doesn't really care if he dies. He says, you know, like, oh, double O agents tend to have a, a short lifespan anyway, so I might as well get going to it. Mm. Um, and then once it's to the point that he starts meeting Vesper and falling for her, that he actually becomes something of a person only for her to betray him and him to kind of close himself off again. And then we know for Quantum of Solace end up seeking revenge as some type of validation for everything that happened. So I, because of that, because of this arc for his character between both this movie and how I know the next movie starts, uh, it does feel like having him be so boring, or at least to me, boring, was an intentional decision in order to make him really feel like that blunt instrument that he describes himself as. Especially considering this is supposed to be such a young Bond, he doesn't quite have that shaken, not stirred charisma, you know? That I mean, get, they that toss that line out. Which yeah. They literally they toss that setup, line out. I think. They, they give him the setup, and then he says, I don't fucking care. Then yeah. he gets yeah. drugged. So, like, I think that's all very intentional in order to show us this young, impetuous Bond who doesn't quite know how to navigate people the way he would in the future so it builds up to it it builds up to it and i think i'm, I'm saying that i think that's intentional i wonder if you do too i mean i don't think he was this interesting like you did but i do agree with the point that he's not the bond you know of he's gonna eventually get to that which i'm assuming happens as the series goes on i really want to watch this chronologically just to know. <laughs> uh babe what are your thoughts on it i kind of disagree with you in the intentionality of it um, just because I do think that, like, his scene with Ace Boy, I can't remember his name, um, his wife, like, that kind of tries to, like, you know, portray him in that kind of charismatic, suave way. But, <sighs> Does but it? It. I, I mean, I guess it. Is, I think it tries to, but I don't. I'm, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's just not successful. That's what. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I wouldn't be intentional if that's, you know, if that's what they're doing. Because mm -hmm. if, if 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 he wasn't if they if he's supposed to be kind of like this detached kind of like not necessarily awkward but um, doesn't really know how to talk to people, he wouldn't have really gotten her into bed kind of thing. Well, you know? I I don't know because like at the same time he does leave without banging her, and that's not something Sean Connery would ever do to a woman. <laughs> so 
you know, I think that's I, that that I think that in and of itself could also kind of rely to that. Just like, you know, he's like, yeah, get the champagne and caviar for one. I mean, I mean it, it wasn't a secret that he was a detached person at that point. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah he's going to go after the mission more than he's going to go after some girl. I mean, is that but is that really my James Bond? <laughs> well, maybe not your James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> not by the opening. Uh, um, I guess to me, it feels intentional, but maybe it's not. It could just be a situation where I do think pieces... he's boring still, though. Just want to say that. <laughs> even by the end of the, <laughs> even by the end of the movie, or just in the beginning? Um, uh, just in the beginning, yeah. I do think that, like, it's it's weird because like his charisma, his charisma definitely gets to show the further he goes. Yeah. Like we know that he's like impetuous and impulsive and reckless in the start of the film, and as we go, we continue to see him be that type of person. But we also get to see him like have these lines about you know when when Mads Mikkelsen is torturing him, where he's like wow, the world's going to know that you died scratching my balls, you know? And stuff like, oh, no, a little more to the right as, like, Mads is just beating on him with this, this, Which, this thing. Which, personally, for me, I don't think was really funny. It kind of just came off a little awkward for me. I think I don't it think was. think it was supposed to be funny. Yeah, not funny. I think yeah. it's supposed to be, like... like just taunting you know, him. Yeah, when you're, when you're in this shit, like, all I'm going to do, all you can really do is fuck with this person. Like, even he knows, but he knows before Mads says it that even if he were to kill him and Vesper, that the governments would still open him with like, would welcome him with open arms, no matter what. Yeah. So really all they can do is antagonize him, which is, is what he's trying to do here by, by kind of taking on this person who's very uh, uptight and posh and just being like, you're actually scratching my ball sack right now, you piece of shit. Isn't that, isn't that fucking funny? Mm. Um, so and funny. I, I think that works. <laughs> well, well, no, like not, no, funny. not, not funny. funny. It's like amusing. It's like amusing it's amusing for, for him. him. I, I don't yeah. think anyone yeah. in the audience is like dying of laughter at this. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, he got you. Oh, he got you there. On the topic of like Bond as a person, uh, I, I, I want to bring up a, in a question for the table because me and Tati had a bit of an argument early in this film about Bond as a thinker and Bond as a Ugabunga. And he, here are my thoughts on it, right? So our discussion was basically, <laughs> she, <laughs> Tali felt that Bond takes very calculated risks. Sometimes. But that, Sometimes. But that the risks he takes are ultimately calculated. I feel like the Bond we see for the majority of this movie is he, Ugabunga, he is just charged. He's going one foot in front of the other, one step at a fucking time. And I don't think there is a thought in his mind except for like two sequences when he has no other choice. I genuinely feel like in this movie, the conflict is between someone like Mads Mikkelsen's character, who is this, this meticulous planner, this numbers guy, all about the statistics, very, 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 very accurate thoughts on everything. And then James Bond, who is just blasting fucking forward, just making choices without real risk consideration, but just making choices because, well, I have to make a decision here. How do you, what, 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 what side of the line do you feel he's on, Tyler? I don't think he went, like, yeah, he's reckless and he does kill the shit sometimes, but I don't think his whole character is aim first, shoot, I mean, shoot first, ask questions later. So here's the thing. So let's say um, the two main sequences, right, that, that we were talking about at this point in the movie was the Madagascar sequence where obviously he's forced to make a split decision because the other spy fucks everything up, right? Chasing this guy. But then once he gets into the embassy, there I truly do not believe there is a single thought going through this man's brain. It is a matter of just the next step and the next step and adapt to the situation. But I don't think there's any like, I'm taking this calculated risk going through this embassy. I don't think there's a single fucking thought process going through his head that entire sequence until... He gets held up at the end by all of the embassy guards, shoots the bomb maker, and blows up the canisters behind him. 
I think that is the single calculated risk he makes there in that in that sequence. Right. And but then he gets he gets flagged for that because it is yeah. completely reckless. But it was a it was a calculated decision that one. I don't think that any other decision he made during that sequence was calculated whatsoever. I think it was just him putting one foot in front of the other and making just taking steps. I think the and, beginning here was calculated, but the his run? partner was being no, his partner was being the dumbass. Holding oh yeah, 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 yeah. His, his part, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's really a calculated risk though. Is what I'm saying because that's just like yeah, he was playing it smart because he's not an idiot like that other guy. But once he starts getting into the actual like the risk of the situation, let's say the actual conflict, it truly feels like his method of handling things in that sequence and in, in the future sequence I'll talk about in a moment is to just barrel forward hmm. until the job gets done, right? And then we have in the the Miami uh, scene, I feel like it's the exact same thing. There's not necessarily an amount of like, I'm calculating the risk of this situation. And, you know, like this is worth, this is, this is dangerous, but I think it can work. It feels a lot more like I got, I got, there's a guy with the bomb. I got to get him. I, I'm running forward. I got to do it. I'm mm-hmm. going to just like, I'm going to just mash forward until I get this guy. And the only calculated choice is if he feels like he really makes is when he hooks the bomb on the guy at the end. And again, another time in a situation where he doesn't really feel like he doesn't really look, he's out of real, just like go forward options and he's forced to think. But it feels like his first reaction in this movie is to just kind of charge headlong first into the situation. Huh. And I don't, I, I was hoping that that would kind of play a bit more into the poker game. It does a little bit, but in the but poker game, more, yeah, it's more because, with his ego. because he got tricked. Yeah, it's more because yeah. he gets tricked. But like he does make that impetuous, like go forward decision. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not like if we're looking, if we're talking about calculated risk, the risk that he took there was fucking huge to the point that I think that someone who is a little more meticulous about it wouldn't have done so like Mads Mikkelsen's character. Mm -hmm. I do think that in this, this young impetuous bond is very much a one foot in front of the other. uh, I got I got a fucking job. I'm gonna get it done type of guy. Hmm. Tati, prevent present present your your arguments to the courts. <laughs> present my case. Yeah, please. I guess okay. Like for me, I'm not like disregarding the fact that he's reckless. He's obviously reckless. You know, he's obviously he just got his 007 status, and you know he's very new to the game. I just think that there are moments in those sequences that show that he's not just a one step like. Not you know an unga bunga character. <laughs> yes, an unga bunga character. I do like, like that phrase. <laughs> love that phrase for some reason. I do think that he takes uh, calculated risk, and I think he assesses the situation when, when he, when he can. You know, when he kind of has to actually. Yeah. So yeah, when he when he has to, when when the unga bungaing just he can't go any more forward with it, right? Like that, like that, like at the end of the embassy sequence and at the end of the airplane sequence, those are the moments he's actually giving a thought to what's going on. I do feel like at the start of the embassy sequence, there's still some calculated risk. I just don't think it works out. I, I don't know. And then he has it. to make another decision. And I feel like the decision like, the decision at the end is more of a kind of... Reckless. Yeah. I think that one's more calculated. He knows he's going to get reprimanded for this, but he takes out the bomb maker, and that's what he really wants. But that wasn't the... the it wasn't the mission, but that's what yeah. he wanted. To him, that was a calculated decision that pays off in his way that he wants it to be right. Whereas, like the chase sequence, I feel like it's like he sees truck or he sees construction vehicle. 
Okay, hide behind construction vehicle. I see things, shoot thing, go up, yes, chase, grab, fight. You know, it's just like it's like this base instinct of how yeah, he's like that working seems on it. Reckless. Yeah, exactly. So I don't really know where you're like because you're saying at the beginning of the embassy scene you feel that he's calculated. Where where is that specifically? As soon as you see the camera. <laughs> as soon as you <laughs> So the one moment before he starts moving, while he's standing perfectly still, all the blood's per- able to get to his brain enough for him to think. But once he starts moving, it's all pumping into his heart and lungs. So he can fucking run for so much of the runtime of the movie. That's why they call it runtime, you know that? Uh, honestly, anytime he was running, it just reminded me of Tom Cruise running in Mission Impossible. <laughs> Spy also, movies and running. Running just feels weird in movies. It just feels weird. It, it's not It's not necessarily the most flattering angle unless you're like power running. Yeah. Like running, like if you film somebody running from the side, it, yeah, it's that's, okay. Yeah, that's a solid but shot. Like, well, from behind. <laughs> No, and like like when you're like facing the camera and you're running, that's so freaking weird. <laughs> I do want to say the guy he's chasing in Madagascar has like a god, above human fucking capabilities of parkour. Holy shit. That man's just like sleeping, like slipping that's through so walls, funny. bouncing off fucking things. And then Daniel Craig just burst through a fucking wall. Like the, the, absolute the scene where he burst through a wall just... is the funniest scene ever. <laughs> the guy like, guy's like okay, got it. And then boom, it's like, what the fuck? Oh the my guy, god, like, Terminator. The guy just technically like dove through a little hole in the top of the wall, and Daniel Craig just like <laughs> just charges right fucking in. It's a scene from Blade Runner 2049 where Harrison <laughs> Ford opens the door like, and Ryan Gosling runs through. He's like, Oh, okay, you could have done that. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, I do think I do love the Madagascar fight scene, but yeah, I don't know. This movie just feels so uneven to me. I think is the the main issue. I don't think so. I think I, I like, think it's know. yeah. You guys are right that yeah, uh, Miami's is whatever. The most exciting part is the actual tournament. Yeah, poker. And for the most part, and that's forty minutes in. But that we get the the uh, Madagascar scene. Yeah, it, yeah, I get how you can consider it uneven. I just think it, you can, you're not like in pain for watching those scenes for the most part. Yeah, I guess that's fair. What were you gonna say, Tati? Um, good question. <laughs> <laughs> Lost to the ages, just like me. I think, I think in terms of like pacing, I still think the pacing is definitely off. You know what I mean? But um, I don't think like. I just want to say like the, like the the I feel like the recklessness and like the calculated risk stuff, right? I think that it works in the same way like how we feel like he's kind of boring in the beginning and then when he act, interacts with somebody more on his level, then he kind of starts developing. I think that's kind of like just how it is. You okay. Know, like it's yeah. like he gets better. He does get better and the movie further, gets better. Yeah. Until and I think it's it's about time we until talk about the romance. <laughs> this weird epilogue sequence post all the fun shit getting done, where it's him and Vesper and he's leaving MI6 and they're in Venice. And you know what? I'll say it right now. I don't care for Vesper. I truly don't. I don't uh, I don't dislike her. I think I, she's fine. I, I think I do agree that this epilogue's weird. She's neutral. I have a distinctly neutral feeling about her. Which is to say, I feel nothing about her. She is, she, I think she's a pretty bland Bond girl compared even to other Bond girls. I don't remember Skyfall that much, so I can't really compare. I don't her actually to any remember this. I don't remember the Skyfall Bond girl, but I'm thinking about the Pierce Brosnan ones. Um, but like, I think she's pretty bland. I don't think she, I don't. I really can't give her a definitive character trait. Honestly, I think that her and James Bond have some of the worst dirty talk I've ever had to hear in a movie. <laughs> And I literally just read really bad James Bond fanfic. Um, but that's so, different people. That's different people. You can't you can't compare. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. James only has chemistry for M. God, it's going to be like that Master Chief thing I sent Tyler. <laughs> Uh, just James, James, well, unfortunately, it wasn't real. Apparently, that was also Master Chief fanfic. So that's that's a weird. I told you. Of, you told me. Yeah. I. It, it, Why it, the it, hell would that actually be written? It. Oh God, I don't know. Well, I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey is right there. Master Chief, <laughs> it, Master Chief, and James Bond both feel like characters primed for mommy issues, and they are gonna fall right into the arms of their maternal older women figures. I'm just saying. That's how we get Archer. That's how we get. That's it's Right? So I'm not I'm literally not even the first person who thought about this. Someone else thought about it and made a goddamn show about it, Tyler. They are prime for mommy issues. They really are. Someone do a, a Halo but Archer. <laughs> That's red versus say. blue. That's just red versus blue. I never miss. I can't I just don't miss. It's fucking impossible for me to get something wrong. Well, Tyler. Tyler, there's a difference between not missing and not knowing what you're aiming at. Yeah, but I like someone already shot it. Like someone had the idea to shoot there. You shooting your gun up in the air and hitting four birds by accident <laughs> is not the same thing. Did the four birds die? Were yes. you aiming at them? I shot four birds. That's you were aiming to... at the plane. All I, you didn't... all I have to put on my resume is that I shot four birds. But you were aiming at the plane. <laughs> I shot the four birds. That's all that counts. All that counts is the birds, Tyler. Anyhow, that whole epilogue, um, I hate it. I, I don't, okay, maybe hate's a strong word. I don't like it. The chemistry between Ava Green and Craig gets really sour really fast. I just, it did not feel good. It, like, they're talking, and she's like, oh, yeah, you want to know what I do with my little finger. It's like, all right, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this. <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, seriously, when they were kind of, not really had animosity towards each other, but like it was like the beginning of it. They had so much more better chemistry. Right, the there. train sequence, the train yeah. scene where they're just yeah, talking like yeah, about, exactly. Oh, let's like figure each other sequence. out. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, but then when they actually started like, ha- like liking each other, it was, when he I says was, "I love you," comes kind of out of nowhere. It really yeah. does. You knew this girl for she a week. She even weekend. said, it and she was like, "You, you love me." <laughs> it's, this was a, this was a. You guys met up for the weekend at a casino tournament. You know, this really ain't, this ain't it. This ain't We've it. We've killed people together. We've grown. <laughs> As a couple, I think we really bonded over that murder of that guy. Bonded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, nah, yeah, me too. I mean, he sucked her fingers and that was it. <laughs> God, the finger sucking scene, dude. That's like, weird. That, that so was weird. so weird. The scene, that, like, minus that part, is like, it's fine. Nice, yeah. And then he sucks on her fingers. And it's supposed to be like a non-sexual finger suck, too. I don't know what the fuck I was supposed to do. I but don't like, know. What... Why would if someone said, like, I feel like I have blood on my hands, would you suck? He's that kind of guy. Bond is <laughs> like hammer. Bond is the army hammer. He's like, you know, the guy who licks blood off his knives. Vega from fucking Street Fighter. He's that type of person. I'm sorry. Bond no. has a blonde has a bond. bond has Bond has a knife play thing in this one. <laughs> That's what sets uh, this bond apart. This one is kinky. And also, let me just say, the pizza line, if all that was left of you was, what was it? If all that was left to you was like your, Whatever. Eye, your head and your little finger, your eye and your little finger, something like that. Yeah. You'd be more of a man than anyone I've ever met. Yeah. I hated that line. I hated that line. I hated the dynamic. The betrayal, I don't care. I don't care that she died. I don't really care about anything after Mad Mc- to. Yeah. She's a Bond girl, Tyler. She's no, look, in the, in the, no, no, in the terms of the movie, oh. she locks herself in there saying like, oh, like, forget about me. But it's like, it's fucking o- stupid. open the fucking door. Let's get yeah. through this. It's kind of stupid. And um, I mean, she, like, she dies because she's a Bond girl and for no other reason. Uh, like, literally no other reason. And no Bond girls live. They're not allowed to. It's a weird concept to me. 
Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. Like in terms of like his he, character, he is such a weird concept. He is the he's like a the man version of the femme fatale. You know, no one who sleeps with the femme fatale survives. No one who sleeps to Jay's Bond survives. Was this like a consistent thing in the past as well? That they die. Yeah. You know, occasionally he has more than one Bond girl during the course of the movie and only the first one dies and then he's with oh. the second one. Mm-hmm. So like I think Holly Berry's character lived. I think one of the girls from Is it Holly uh, Berry? Holly. I think Storm's character survives. I think um <laughs> I think one of the girls from Tomorrow Never Comes survives, but like one of them also dies. Uh, on average though, if you're a Bond girl, it's it, it's not it's not not good odds. It's a pretty dangerous profession. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of tradition for the Bond girls to die. How many Bond girls died? There's what, 21 movies? This is the 21st, so it would be like 25 or 6 by now. Wow, 33 Bond girls died. Yeah, it seems that's bad. impressive because I know that at least a few survived. So he's he's racking up at least two dead Bond girls per movie. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, not at least, but like, you know, around two dead Bond girls per movie. That's over one and a half. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's casino. Jesus, it's just not, it's not good odds. Not good odds. Um, but yeah, like, I think, I think it's a serviceable movie, but I don't think it's the best James Bond film. It's, it's okay. It does, it does. Have, I do actually like one thing. I learned that if you, well, according to this movie, I haven't tested it, I guess. If you drink salt water enough, you'll force yourself to vomit. Um, that was pretty neat as a good way to push out poison. So yeah, I feel like that's true. That's pretty cool. I like the last line. I mean, the last line is just him saying the famous uh, Bond names, the, the Bond line, just yeah, saying yeah. his name. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, a, a good way of showing that this is like, you know, the new Bond. He's, he's only doing his line at the very end. Um, he orders the most over-fucking-complicated cocktail in the world instead of his classic martini. And then the five other assholes on the table order it too. And I mean, fucking... I get it, though, right? If someone's that confident in their order and it's, like, that complicated, it has to be good. Yeah, but I... I Matt's no, just like, is like, really, guys? Fuck, I, I want to play poker here. You guys are all doing this shit? Let's I go. literally have people trying to kill me if we could just play this game so I could take your money, please. God. Uh, I do feel like that's pretty much all there is to say about Casino Royale. It's not particularly complex it's not particularly dense stock market man isn't necessarily the most interesting villain in the world to me but mads like, plays him well mads plays a boring man well but i think what sucks i've seen a lot of memes with mads mickelson where it's like it's because this scene. another round it's this it, no no it's this scene where but it's like oh mr bond you've made a critical error you've you've fallen for my tactic and then it's related to like i don't know a card game or warhammer or some other shit right like, but it's the idea of like Mads Mikkelsen character being this in- this intellectual dominant, who is just like, oh, Mister Bond, you've fallen for my trap, right? Whereas here, Mads like he's smart and he has outwit Bond that one time, but he's just so unintimidating that it's it doesn't feel like like Mads Mikkelsen has an intimidating face. They put him as fucking Hannibal Lecter, but he doesn't feel very intimidating in this one. So, it's it, he's it's, supposed to though. He's not supposed to, and I don't. I didn't. I didn't like that decision. <laughs> I understand that he's not supposed to. I I want it to be intimidating. <laughs> um, but that's it. That's all I got to say about it. Tyler? No, I like it. It appears I am like it the most out of all three of us. Yeah, I think you did. I, I do figure that this is going to be an interesting enough week for ranking. I was so curious about Faison's thoughts about it. Um, but, you know, then he got kidnapped. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Right, unfortunately. Really, uh, call somebody about that. Nah, it's fine. He'll be. MI6 got it. Yeah. Double O three or something. I don't know. Um, but I think it's uh, you know, I think what we're shooting to do here is we're just gonna 
go to our sponsors and uh, we'll be back in a minute. If you have the time, don't forget to check out the Bite Size Review podcast. There, I review TV shows and movies so that you don't have to. Your time is precious and you don't have time to waste it. So each week, I'll review a TV show or a movie and give you a bite-sized review. See you there. Um, did you guys hear about... Uh, you know, I, I I was I really should start fucking picking news topics. Like the before, fuck you... I was bluffing until I got Reddit open. I was actually my main plan, and then from there I was planning to just scroll down until I found something that felt like it would be an accurate or interesting news post. And then you guys you see know, the what if trailers? There we go. You guys see the what if trailer? I didn't. I, I saw people. I saw people posting so about it on Reddit and Twitter, but I didn't. I hate I, you so much. I don't. I, I kind of want to go into it with as little context as possible just because I mean I've seen I didn't see the whole trailer I've seen clips of it but I mean like if you put it together it's the whole thing yeah 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 no. like but you I mean, know like, what it yeah. is I, I just don't want to know all of the what ifs that they want to explore I want I to be a bit surprised least, by a few I know a decent amount I think all right, we're, we're gonna pull our knowledge here we have zombies yeah we have what if Captain America was Peggy Carter which yes we have what if uh, T'Challa was uh, Star Wars instead yeah. of uh, Black Panther yeah we have uh, what if Iron Man was rescued by Killmonger? That one I'm fucking interested in. That's an interesting concept. I think that's all I saw. We have um, Iron Man from the 1950s. I don't know how that's going to work, but weird retro Iron Man. Is that thing with Spider-Man? Spider-Man as Sorcerer Supreme. Okay. Uh, and I think that that pretty much covers the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Hmm. I mean, that's a pretty fun batch right there. I used to love the what if comics as a kid. I think they were like the coolest shit in the world because mm. it was always like these wild topics of like, like one of the Punisher was Dr. Doom. I'm like, that sounds fucking insane. What? That's fucking crazy. <laughs> so I'm glad that they're doing this. I'm glad that it's like seemingly canon um, to the MCU. Because dimension shit. Yeah. And because we see mm. Dr. Strange in the first trailer fighting an evil Dr. Strange. And it's very clearly Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, like intentionally modeled after him, which fucking means if we really wanted to, we could see not any one of these. You can see a lot of these alternate Earth characters show up at some fucking point down the road. You know, if they get like a crazy enough That's strange too. Yeah, and we know how everything's tying into that. But you know what? We're not here to talk about Marvel yet. We are here to talk about uh, the 2015 uh, underrated gem, I'd say. The Man from Uncle. And uh, I, I, I believe that sentence, Tyler. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I've seen that comment thrown around all the time because people... Yeah, you do love this movie, but after watching it, it's like, I think it's, you're it's wrong. A, it's another you're one wrong. of those cult yeah, you're movies. You're wrong. It's another, it's another cult movie. <laughs> you're wrong. Wrong. Is it not a cult and movie? I don't. I mean, I guess technically it is a cult movie, but it's not another one of those cult movies. It's a good cult movie. Faison's not here to either agree. Or I like it more up. than the other. Cult I'm gonna movies text. I'm gonna text Faison. I'm gonna read the description first and let you discuss, and then I'm gonna text Faison. At the height of the Cold War, a mysterious criminal organization plans to use nuclear weapons and technology to upset the fragile balance of power between the United States and the Soviet Union. CIA agent Napoleon Solo, played by Henry Cavill, and KGB agent Ilya Kurakyan, played by Army Hammer, are forced to put aside their hostilities and work together to stop the evildoers in their tracks. The duo's only lead is the daughter of a missing German scientist, who they must soon find and hope to stop a global catastrophe. Tyler, give me your thoughts on it while I get phase on stocks. I think it's a fine movie. I get what they're going for. It's based off the either 60s or 70s TV show. It's about uh, 
Cold War spies, Russia, U.S. going against each other and then eventually teaming up. Uh, yeah, it's a callback to those old school spy movies, which is fine. You know, Guy Ritchie did it. He's having fun with his type of like humor. But for the most part, I don't enjoy it that much just because the plot is so bare, bo- bare bones. I, I mean, isn't that the plot of every like I feel like the plot of every spy movie is at least kind of stupid. Like, that's the nature of spy films. Like, right, yeah. Most spy films is, oh, here's a mission. Go get the guy. Interrogate yeah. the guy. Go to this, this, this. Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, this somehow feels even more so in that the one mission is just uh, find a bomb or, like, stop the nuke. Okay, but they don't go. I don't feel like they go on this goose chase from person to person to person. Like, yes, this happens where they meet this guy, but then they don't really... There's no like urgency to get to the next point. It kind of just hangs out. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Cause I'm I, trying I, to figure out the words. The wording yeah. was probably terrible, but like I'm I'll, trying I'll, to figure out. I'll let you figure that out. I'll, I'll make the case for it. I feel that it was okay. So Faison did like Casino Royale more than Man from Uncle. So I'm no longer going to ask for his thoughts. <laughs> boo, boo. Bu- boo, big boo. But I will say this feels like the quintessential spy movie. It is. That it is, is also yes. correct. Yeah, it's kind of like Independence Day is for alien films, you know, for alien invasion movies. It is. It is like it is. I guess you could say it's a bit by the numbers, right? There's the betrayal. There's you know the evil Nazi villain. You know, it's it, it's very very pulpy, very fifties. Right, which is what it's aiming for. Which, which is exactly what it's aiming for. With. But I think that it does it does those the tropes of a spy film perfectly. I think. It, it, yes, thank you. It lives in the. It lives in what it's trying to be. It lives in the pulp. It lives in the tropes. It lives in the by the numbers spy style. And then what it does incredibly well, I think, is it fucking oozes just aesthetic style the entire time that you're watching this movie. Don't fucking say let's go to that in the group chat, Tyler. You piece of shit. Like I'm not right there. <laughs> it, uh, it. It. I know. I agree style. with you though. But that's another thing that and I wasn't the only person to point this out, is when I looked at reviews and then like some comments on Reddit said, uh, the movie is mainly style over substance. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing here. Because I, I actually quite like the Guy Ritchie movies that I've seen. Even the ones that are just not good, like the King Arthur movie, right? I like Gentleman. I don't know what... I, we've seen another Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, Sherlock Holmes? I don't, I don't I've never seen Gentleman. Gentleman, I've seen... It's, it's, it's fun. I've liked, I like I, I, there's one that I don't like, and I'm actually going to talk about that specifically in a bit. But um, King Arthur: Legend of the Score of the of the of oh, he only did, did he only do the screenplay on that one? No, I think he directed it. I think he directed it. Yeah. So I like the Sherlock Holmes movies, uh, King Arthur, and and this one. Right, are the four Guy Ritchie movies that I've seen and very much liked. And there's another one that well, I'll get there when we get there. But uh, Guy Ritchie has a very particular style. He loves his he loves like this kind of very fast paced editing. A lot of cuts, but actually executed incredibly well. He loves the occasional hand cam, but done to perfect efficiency. Um, he loves strong use of color. He loves strong use of editing in terms of like that the, the siege sequence where we have the, the FBI guards like converging on one point and the editing literally melds out after it used that 50 styles of like half screen breaks, right? Yeah. He loves he yeah, he lives in all of that shit. His editing is probably the best part of all these movies. The editing in the Sherlock Holmes fights, the editing of the flashback sequences in King Arthur, all of that shit just oozes style, right? And when you have a movie that is trying to be, and I feel like it really is trying to be the quintessential spy film, 
this this KGB 70s era spy movie with all of the pulp spy tropes of these and and playing with those ideas. And I think in a pretty fun way with an insane amount of style, it is just a, it's a fucking joy to watch. I feel there are so many just fun in sequences in this movie. Yeah, I could agree with that. Like the sequence, the, um, the sequence where it's, it's Henry Cavill and, and Army Hammer. And they just like jumped out of the, <laughs> they well, they jumped out of the window of this place they were robbing, and and there was a good like visual gag where they just fucking land right on the ground, and then Henry Cavill ends up, uh, actually just escaping off the area and waiting inside of a truck while Army Hammer is shooting for his life, fighting against all these on a boat, He's fighting for boat his life, <laughs> while Henry Cavill is like eating a nice little provolone sandwich here. He found this guy's lunch basket. He has Italian music playing. He's all finessed and cleaned up and army hammers like you just see him in the background of the shots riding on the boat shooting manically at anyone who can and he can a good uh, majority of this whole movie is just the archer episode with barry and archer in london in uh in uh a hundred percent and you know what the chemistry here between them is fucking amazing the chemistry I'm pretty sure it's the same exact house too it is it is <laughs> actually no there's fun. one like when he's going to when I forget if it's Henry Cavill or Army Hammer when he, they're going through a house and the KGB is knocking on doors. Oh no, it's early in the movie when Army. It's like the first scene or one of the first scenes when Army Hammer is trying to get Henry Cavill. Yeah, and he's going through the house. The house is the same spiral staircase as Archer. Yeah. it's the same old woman who's like, "Hey, I need to use a window." <laughs> it's like, oh, and then it's like shit everywhere. It's like, what the fuck is this happy playtime? Kick up all. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's. It, I love that episode. I is that from the latest season? The Archer episode? Yeah, that you're talking about. I'm trying to remember it exactly. It's like season two or three. When, okay, a lot of them when, blurred. It, a lot of Archer has blurred together for me. It's been a it's lot. It's when Archer goes to Russia to meet his father, who is the head of the ah, KGB. Ah, yes, 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 and yes, yes. Barry is there to basically fu- to help him get out because he got caught immediately. God, I was yeah. mixing Barry with uh, Cyril. <laughs> That's why I'm going to remember it. <laughs> God. Um, I mean, listen, I, I'm going to say the Henry Cavill, Army Hammer dynamic here is fucking fantastic. This is like the only movie I've seen Army Hammer in where he's not a piece. He doesn't feel like it. He's likable. He's the only movie he's yeah. ever been likable in. Hmm. Um, their dynamic yeah, I mean, is super all the cast strong. is pretty good. Yeah, their yeah. dynamic is super strong. Um, the way that they handle flashbacks for the characters and their history is done really well, juxtaposing for each character. Like Henry Cavill's is introduced via like really fun flashback, whereas Army Hammer's characters is introduced via conflict with Henry Cavill, where he's just like berating each other, berating each other, and Henry hits all the soft spots. The characterization in this is just really fucking good. Um, the Elia, I can't remember her actress's name. Uh, she's really good in this as well. Her dynamic with the cast works pretty perfectly. Uh, I I think the sound mixing is good. I think the direction is top tier. There are just even like little shots that I still remember. Like in the first chase sequence where Army Hammer is chasing after Henry Cavill, um, it cuts to like this side shot with a hand cam, and the hand cam like physically turns to follow a car driving past. And then like hard shit like turns away and free and like stay still on the car that Henry Cavill's waiting in. I just love that little shot. It's a small thing, but I think it's just so fucking good. Um, I think I, 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 I've only seen this movie maybe tw- once or twice before this, but I am very glad I got in a rewatch because it reaffirmed my feelings that this movie is a genuinely a underrated gem. I'm willing to give this the underrated gem award because I think this movie got a, bad rep and i don't know why it made like got a bad rep I it made I ha- just people weren't interested it yeah. made yeah maybe people weren't interested it made like, like the reviews are decent enough yeah it's got like a 68 percent on letterbox and i think it deserves more than not letterbox on um 68%. on rotten tomatoes i think it deserves more than that pretty fairly i think it deserves to be at least in the 70s 
Yeah. At least mm. in the mid mid seventies. I can't remember. Like like Rotten Tomatoes tends to be pretty lenient as far as the number goes. Like if I if someone sees a sixty eight, it usually feels like a bad movie on Rotten Tomatoes. What's what what's the audience score? Uh, that is an excellent question. I'm pretty sure the Metacritic is somewhere in the sixties, maybe high fifties. Fifty fifty five fifty six, which is about fair for Metacritic. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is just taking a second slow. Seventy three in the audience score, which I think is a little bit closer. I still think it should be even a bit higher than that. Because I think it's, I think it's a genuinely, as far as like popcorn action movies go, this is, this is what I want. This is exactly what I want from a popcorn action movie. Give me good energy, good cash chemistry, and just like something a bit unique, in this case being the, the editing and Guy Ritchie's general style of filmmaking. Give me that. And this is the perfect popcorn film. Absolutely perfect popcorn film. Yeah, I can attribute all that to the gentleman. Which is another guy which movie that came out last year, and I enjoyed that way more. See, he he has a very unique style. I haven't seen the gentleman. I didn't realize it even came out. I do want to watch it because, again, almost every other Guy Ritchie movie that has come out, I've loved, except for one. And this is where I want to go on a little bit of a tangent, and I want to talk about the live action Aladdin remake. Tyler, did you see that? No, no, because no. I haven't seen it. Tati has seen it. Tati, you liked it. I didn't, but I've I've been like, well, I'm kind of weird because I've been liking like the live action ones more than, um. The and sometimes, just like that, you have, you have thrown away all of our fucking credibility on this show. She didn't well, for, she, the ones, for the ones that I didn't like, like Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. I hated the animated ones, but um, the uh, live action. You know what I'm, see what I'm going through here, guys? Like, listen, I didn't like I didn't like animated Beauty and the Beast very much either as a kid. Honestly, mm-hmm. I didn't care for it. The only thing I care for is Gaston's song because it's really good. Um, but I, I fucking love Lion King, so that, that you just you lost me on that. However, <laughs> everybody I, on that. <laughs> You miss everybody on that. Yeah, everyone gets upset when I say that. <laughs> I do want to say for the live action Aladdin remake, I and this is this is crazy to me because it's I, I hear oh it's Guy Ritchie doing it. I'm like okay, I'm excited. This is what these movies need. This movie needs to be stylized, heavily stylized, like the level I want the energy from Guy Ritchie that I got in fucking King Arthur. I want this. And that's the by far his most stylized film. I feel. I want this shit to be edited to the max. I want it to be absolutely fucking over the top, ridiculous energy. And I get into that movie, and I I felt no energy for so much of the runtime. I was so disappointed by that. There's one editing. There's one scene where it feels like the editing was really Guy Ritchie, and they actually kept it in the trailer. I think because of that. And it's the scene where Aladdin gets thrown off the top into the water to drown by Jafar's men. And they go into slow-mo for the spin. And that shot and that editing bit feels very Guy Ritchie. But for the rest of the movie, it's just, it's absent. And I don't know what happened. Because this was really one of the live-action remakes I was very excited for. Because I thought with Guy Ritchie at the helm that we were going to get something kind of special here. Something that was very much his flavor of filmmaking, just over the top of an Aladdin story. And I really, really wanted that. And I'm still just really sad that it, it didn't happen. So this is my way of venting before we do a proper episode on it where I pick it apart. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just need, I need to get that <laughs> off my chest. Um, also, they say Nazi's bad here. They say Nazi. I don't like that. Or maybe I do like that. I don't know. It's weird. I got nothing on this either. <laughs> so I thought you were going to say something before I cut you off. Uh, I was just going to say that I do think um, the uh, Prince Ali sequence in Aladdin is pretty good. Prince Ali. So that's that's the one where he's walking. I don't feel like it had enough energy. 
And I feel the same way about Friend Like Me. I think it needed to do more. It needed to go further. It needed to go crazy over the top. I don't I think, think those scenes gave me enough. I don't think that a live action could give you what you really wanted. These movies are more mm. CGI than live action already. If yeah. Endgame can give me a thousand fucking people fighting aliens from space while Spider-Man rides Thor Hammer, I can get a couple more camels in my Aladdin movie, okay? I can get some dancing camels, I can get some of the golden monkeys, I can get all the crazy shit I got in the animated movie, and I'm gonna die on that hill. I don't know what happened, but I, I don't want to, I don't know what happened, but I'm upset. Again. <sighs> Man um, from Uncle. Man from Uncle. Um, I, uh, oh, the soundtrack's really good. I like the music in this a lot. Yeah, uh, I, like it. I also, for some reason, kept mentally replacing Army Hammer with Michael Fassbender from when I first watched the movie. And even as I was watching the movie, I would still mentally somehow manage to replace Army Hammer with Michael Fassbender. And I have to blame this on X-Men First Class, in which Michael Fassbender... Um, Fassbender. <laughs> Fassbender. <laughs> Fassbender. Um, it takes place in the 70s. I, I think that's the only reason that these, like, these wires are incredibly crossed for me. But I actually think I would have preferred this movie with Michael Fassbender, personally. I don't know. I, like, I don't know. I, I kind of yeah. do. Oh, I, you guys like, want to? You guys want a cannibal in this movie? Fucking hey, cool cannibals guy. deserve rights. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> or do they deserve as many? <laughs> it's not like it's not like it's a cannibal out of hunger. Like if I, I like you know this is a Fahrenheit you know four fifty seven moment. I understand, but he's just straight up like can that's, I get a leg. That's can not I, what that book's about. Isn't that the one where they crash the plane and they're forced to eat their dead comrades? What? Fortnite Forces and Seven is the one of burning books, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Hold on, wait. wait. It, uh, yeah, that's the burning books one. Are you about thinking about um, Lord crash. of the Flies? No, not Lord of the Flies. Magic. I know Lord of the Flies. They did eat one of their friends. Where they do they do they eat? Pig yeah, they, they eat, eat Simon. Pig? Oh my god, they eat Simon, do and they? it's traumatic. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the movie glasses. I read this book. I could have swore it was called Fahrenheit. The story is the Andy Survivor one. So what about the Andy? Soccer team? No, yeah, no, rugby no. team. I don't know if they were a rugby team. team. Okay, rugby no, team. it's um, it's it's Uruguay though. That's the actual <laughs> thing that happened. Oh, God, I'm yeah, but the book was based off that. Flight oh, okay. five, five, flight five seventy one. I think that's the name of the book. Okay. No, it's called Alive. The story. Okay, there's no number. Right? Whatever. It's the one about the guys in the plane and they eat each other. Yeah, the rugby team. Yeah, it's okay if you do it then. But not if you do it <laughs> you're texting people to get a leg. You know, that's not okay. I draw the line there. I draw the Hey man, can, I swear, like can you spare a leg? You got a leg this man. I, I haven't eaten in like a week. You got a you got a leg to spare. Um order 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 pieces of a body. Just Uber Uber eats Uber meats or something is just um everyone, everyone has oh, a niche. Hey. <laughs> God, um, so I I have I'm trying to look through my notes here, and I have some lines that are confusing. Uh, I want really. Thing I, <laughs> I always do. Oh yeah, okay. This is what it was. There's a lot of scenes that feel really weird with the Army Hammer subtext of everything we know that's going on. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, Phazon's not here, so we weren't we're not going to get to read out the comments. We'll have to wait till the next. Well, Army what do you Hammer mean? Movie. We were casting those parts. I no, we did not, Tyler. I we are not doing that, Tyler. Shut the fuck up, Tyler. Um, so there's funny. the scenes from Man from Uncle where, um, <laughs> like, there's a scene where he's like, "Don't make me put you over my knee," and and there's like a testing scene, and it's just like, "Oh God, that he's gonna eat her, he's gonna eat her right up." It's you know when we do call you by your call me by your name, that's when we'll do this. 
That's when we'll do the quotes. So that's a great time that, to do it. If that movie wasn't already going to be hard to talk if about. If that wasn't like, going to be hard to talk about, we're going to make it even, <laughs> even worse. Though like it, even though I do like that movie a lot, but. You're going to make it. We're going to make I haven't seen it. And I'm excited to get to finally read those those quotes. Um, I think it's a fun movie. I think that really boils down my thoughts on it. It is it is it is so fun. It is quintessential blockbuster dumb movie that I actually would like to see. About. Fucking Hugh Grant is in it. Damn it, Tyler. Hugh Grant's in it. Hugh Grant. How can you be mad? How can you not? How can you not like a movie that Hugh Grant shows up in? But he's in the gentleman as well, right? Yeah, he's in the gentleman. He's like the, one of the best parts of it too. I I really want to see the gentleman now. Actually, like now, this movie made me actually also want to re. You know what? We're probably gonna end up watching the the King Arthur movie right after this, babe, because I kind of want to watch that movie now. Okay. It's not good, but I I I have a soft spot for it. I have a soft spot for well directed Guy Ritchie. Films. I mean, what's his face is in it, so I'm down. Yeah, but he's not good. <laughs> so I also know exactly who you're talking about. He's he's garbage in this movie, unfortunately, because he's he has a good no. You know what? He's not bad. The movie's bad. I don't. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I like. It. Um, the point is that I think this is a fun movie, and I think that Tyler and Faison don't know how to have fun. I agree. I didn't say. Oh, wait, that hold on. on. Actually, Tati, were you talking about Charlie Human or Jude Law or Dijmon Hansu or Charlie, Aiden Gillen? Did you say Charlie Human? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Charlie yeah. Human. That human that you guys have around here. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah. The most basic Charlie. name for an actor. Dijmon Hansu right there. Tati, really? And Jude Law's in this too? And he's oh, gonna yes. be like Char- oh yeah, okay. Okay. guy to who be- looks like Discount Magic Mike character Ooh. To be fair, to be fair I Oh, thought- he's the guy from Sons of Anarchy Yes. Yeah, oh my god I, 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 I do like-, like seriously I do like him, never mind, I take like it all back shit, man. I take it all, Little Fingers in it I feel like you need like a, uh, some kind of brain thing Cause it's just something's not clicking Lobotomy? Yeah, I could go for one Maybe <laughs> Oh my god We'll stop the him. movie's fine. Like, it is enjoyable. It's just not hitting for me. That's fair enough. I think that's... No, fuck you, Tyler. It's not fair enough. I refuse to give you this point. Tyler, you deserve nothing. This movie is absolutely fucking fantastic. It is an underrated gem. It deserves so much more than you are giving it credit for, Tyler. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't shit on it. You monster! <laughs> you might as well have. You yeah. might as well have, Tyler. You might as well have, have shot me in the face and spit on my grave for what you said about this movie. <laughs> Truly. What did I say about God it? God damn you, Tyler. You know what you said. You it's know what a you fine did. movie. The chemistry oh. is great. Oh, it's fine. It's live action, Archer. It's fine, Tyler. If I, call somebody, if, I, if I say something is fine, you know what that means. It means it's dog shit. Wow, he called me fine sometimes. So, um, on to Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, you want to bury yourself on that one? Nope, I'm going to move on before I can get in trouble. <laughs> I'm no, like, I did. I'm not that stupid, Tyler. <laughs> Next? Next? Me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the person who was... Wait. No, yeah. Who's do- yeah, no, it is you, Tazzy. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> introduce like- <laughs> I didn't realize you were finished talking about Man from Uncle. We said next twice. You Wait, had a whole we, extra... Okay, do we have anything else for Man from Uncle? <laughs> you are a little bit... <laughs> I can keep going all day, but aside from that... Okay. Is, is it, well, I got one thing. It's fun. Go watch it. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It is a fun movie, all right? It's definitely worth like watching at least yes. once. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. don't see it. Yeah, it felt, <laughs> Just don't think it's how your energy felt, Tyler. It's how your vibes were. Oh, my vibe was off. Oh, your I vibe was the vibe check. You veiled the vibe check, Tyler. Okay, that's very. What month were you born in again? November. It's very Scorpio of you, Tyler, to fail the vibe check. Thank you very much. <laughs> Probably, I don't know what day you're born. Anyway, Tati. 
<laughs> he would be a Scorpio. Um, so I just want to say that on Irony B, it just says a film about Natasha Romanoff in her quest between the films Civil War and Infinity War. <laughs> no, I, I, I think our job is done. I think that about covers it. I think we can just go on to our ranking now, actually. Good night. <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Black Widow takes place after the events of Civil War, and she is kind of like hiding out, obviously. And then she kind of gets, uh, she receives this package from her sister. And it basically leads her back to the organization where she kind of became like a black widow, you know? And um, finds out that, you know, the person that she thought she killed, she didn't actually kill. So she kind of takes out her last kind of revenge. I want to say, I, I want to say, Disney uh, taking a big risk, um, a, a real step forward, rather, uh, casting an Asian American woman in the in the role of Black Widow. Honestly, very impressive on them. Honestly, like a tree <laughs> did a fantastic job. <laughs> she actually thought that her character's name was Widow, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, I can do it. I can play a, a Black Widow." <laughs> um, God, Scarlett Johansson's a strange person. She's a strange woman. I gotta say, let's just talk about Scarlett Johansson for a minute here. Every time she says something stupid, she then does a good movie. It's like it's like yeah. a monkey's paw. Like she crossed like an old an old woman in a caravan years ago who cursed her. <laughs> that every time you make a good movie, you have to say something incredibly dumb first. It's it's fucking it's amazing it to it? me. I mean, I think she's just so random. Like like anything you ever hear about her is just so random it never yep. really feels like it adds up it like i can't paint a cohesive picture of a person with the information i have on scarlett johansson it never makes sense to me yep um i do think she's pretty good in this though oh, oh yeah i mean she's not a bad actress like, she's not, no, she's, i mean she's famously a good actress <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like i think so some people's disappointment <laughs> because she starts in this film instead of like the next under the skin yeah under the under the <laughs> over the skin this is gonna be the sequel. Oh God! <laughs> God. <laughs> Under the skin. More nightmare sequences for you, Tyler. <laughs> you mean more laugh sequences? More for laugh for Chris over here. <laughs> I still I find that scene to be the funniest thing in the world. Psychopath. Man. I think it's good. Um, you know, I think we got to start where, where all good movies start with a cover of "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. Yeah, what the fuck is up with that? I uh, see. There was. It feels like there was an era in filmmaking where it was very common to have. Social but, network. It was social network. Okay, it was social network. There's other movies too. I've definitely seen because I haven't seen social network, um, but I've definitely seen movies where for some reason they open with fucking smells like Teen Spirit. And I well, don't. No, not, it, no, I'm talking about just the whole social network trailer opened. Uh, I mean, the, in social network trailer, the cover is of uh, Greater Heads Creep and it's sung by a children's choir. Oh, and like that's a great trailer. And again, that's a good cover of the song because like I don't know why the hell are kids singing a Greater Head song. But yeah. then so many other trailers copy that same exact format that it's just a pair, uh, meme at this point even even actually avengers age of ultron did it but they did it with um no strings the, on me no strings on me the pinocchio song yeah well that's different because it's just it's ultron actually saying it and that's like, no no it's, it's actually really sung it's sung by a choir in the trailer oh and then he just has the line and then he has the line in the film but it's actually sung uh, by the I don't choir and it's a bunch of children it's actually very eerie and it had me very excited for a movie that ended up being okay yeah, children, children singing is so, so children. Weird. Children are scary. It just, it I just feels fake. Children creepy. are very creepy. I agree. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just feel like there was an era of movies where they would always use a Nirvana song, and obviously it was always smells like Teen Spirit. And I thought we moved past that as a society. And honestly, the fact that this movie even has a Nirvana cover like that 
genuinely just makes it feel more like this was meant to come out in 2016 after Civil War and that it has no right existing in the modern era as it does right now, which is just bizarre to me. I mean, honestly, when I heard that song, I'm like, oh, this movie's not going to be as good, is it? Starting off on a really bad foot here. Yeah, (laughs) I don't actually hate the cover itself. I hate the fact that it's in this movie for some reason, but I don't think it's like the worst cover I've ever fucking heard of a song. Oh, I don't like also, it. Also, I love that they put like that Sia song on the radio, just so you know. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was. I it kind of took me out of it too. How do we really yeah. make sure that our audience knows it's 2016? Sia, yes. Um, it was. What the problems? It, yeah, it feels. It's weird. It's like, it. This movie feels weird because that it, that it exists. Like, I don't think it's a bad film, right? As a movie, I think the fact that as like a Marvel movie, it came out now you know, like post Black Widow being dead and post Infinity War, post Endgame, post the DC, like the Disney Plus shows, like it all just doesn't feel right. Like this movie is from a different era of Marvel at this point. It's from another time and it shows and it's weird to like, it feels, it feels strange. Like everything about it felt strange going into it to me because it's like nothing, nothing's really meshing with my brain about how this movie is supposed to exist. And even like this organization that trained her, even though that's technically been established in Age of Ultron, it felt so jarring to me for some reason. Like the fact that it's here and it really never really hasn't really come up, come up in any meaningful way, even though it doesn't really have to per se until now. It just all feels so sudden. I, I don't quite know how to feel about all that. I, However, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, like, I like the movie yeah. enough. I like, it, yeah. It feels like it should have came out immediately after infinity war should have came out after civil war i keep i keep getting confused infinity they both have war in the name and i keep getting confused oh yeah having a christmas infinity war you know civil war world war one oh god i always mix those up together i can't oh i'm sorry is there a mcu movie named world war yes world war hulk not a movie yet. Well, it's an animated film. Exactly. Animated film. Animated film. Animated film. Not the MCU. Not the MCU. I literally just That is literally the plot of Thor Ragnarok. I said MCU. Yeah, cover your ass, Tyler. I said it. You fucked up. This movie has great cast chemistry. I'm I'm so natural, truly. Um, the cast would angrily say. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Your point sucks. This movie has great chemistry. Let's go. Let's go, Tyler. Like a toddler. <laughs> I'm unable to really make conjunctions in my sentences yet. You're right. It does. Everyone like uh, David Harbour as uh, Red Guardian. Guardian is great. Really fun. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Florence. Uh, Florence is, is Florence is a standout character. I had no expectation for sure. Florence. I didn't think she was gonna yeah. be good. You, I like. I don't think. I'm sorry. No, I, not that I don't think she was going to be a good actress. actress I didn't yeah. care. For, I didn't think that like her replacement Scarlet, her replace her as the next Black Widow. I didn't think that was going to matter to me. I thought that I was going to have no interest in her as a character. Oh, okay. Not not that like her like oh she's going to fucking be a terrible performance. No, I just didn't think that I was going to have any interest in her as a character. Granted, okay. I didn't think I'd have any interest in her in this movie, um, which I do. I want to say that even though I'm kind of I was bashing on a little in the beginning there, I actually really liked this movie quite a bit. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think that I mean Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss is an enigma of humanity. She does, has does aged her so slip well. In the I, movie, does I, her, she, her accent can slip all it wants, Tyler? That's not that's, no, no, no. That's but not like, our problem. It, that's not our business, Tyler. It was slightly distracting. We turn away. From, how dare you? How dare you say that, Rachel? Was it? Was it? How dare not, you say Gazi. that? 
I'm trying to think. I'm actually trying to think. I don't know. I don't know if I really paid attention to her accent. To be fair, I was thinking more about Florence's accent. I'm just wondering if she's going to do, um, like, uh, the Olsen, Olsen sister and, like, kind of forget about it. She's going to have to stall. There was a, there was a reason for it, narratively. They're just going to hit her on the head, give her amnesia, and she's going to talk like an American. Um, yeah, the rate, like, me and Sally talked about this. Rachel Weiss, who plays, like, the mother character, um, doesn't necessarily didn't feel that much older. It doesn't feel much older than Scarlett Johansson. You, because, but that's not because she's not older. It's just because she hasn't aged. <laughs> she looks so she looks so similar to when she was in the Mummy. Like obviously she looks like older now, but she does. She looks. It's been like thirty years almost, and she does not look that different. <laughs> it's deeply impressive to me. Um, and she's great in this too. I actually really like her. I really like. I really like the family, and um, yeah. they they had a the family <laughs> after last week's episode. Familia. Actually, that was two episodes. That was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Oh yeah, you're right. And also, you I want to I want to make a quick amendment to last week's episode. Um, I forgot to talk about the fact that Alien is a deeply anti-capitalist film. So here's the notice for that because I completely forgot to talk about that last week. Anyway, back to the Russian uh, superhero called the Red Guardian. Anyhow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I want to talk to I want to talk to you guys about Red Guardian for a second. Um, and I want to talk about two things about it. Tyler. <laughs> you said literally anything except the right one. Whatever you're going for. Both of you, stop. <laughs> All right? And listen to me. <laughs> okay? Red Guardian, I want to talk about two things about him. One, I think it is super interesting that this character is got adapted and also kind of in the way that he was. Uh, in the comics, Red, Red, Red Guardian was like... Back during the little 70s in the comics, in Marvel Comics industry, they had a lot of like the evil communist character, right? And uh, even you can make the argument that like, for I have, I, I didn't, I'm not the biggest Marvel fan. I had a lot of older Marvel comics. That's more where my knowledge lies compared to the modern shit. But even then I didn't have everything. Um, I know that Natasha was a KGB agent in the comics as well. I don't know if that was ever really explored into the lens of like, cap, like US versus USSR. But um, Red Guardian was literally built to be a Captain, evil Captain America clone with like a magnetic gimmick on his belt, right? And then he like he dies a hero, and then later on somebody else takes the mantle, right? Because even though he was portrayed as the villain, he was always portrayed as honorable, which was always really interesting. Um, and seeing a character who was pretty much just like, it, I guess it's a similar way I feel about Captain America, but uh, no, not really. It, seeing a character who was built distinctly as propaganda be completely, basically like redesigned from the ground up for this movie. And actually kind of work really well. Uh, it's just interesting to me, you know? And I think it just shows that, like, you're not necessarily limited by, like, uh, for superhero comics, I should say. They're not limited and by their weird origin, right? They're not limited by whatever stupid thing someone wrote up in the 60s. You can yeah. really turn, make something good. You can make, like, the whole family dynamic is, has a, there's a fair amount of, like, uh, they're flawed. It's, it's a flawed family, right? Like um, Florence's character, what is it, Yelena? Yep. She says how she used to look at the Red Guardian as like this hero, kind of like they had him on a pedestal, but now they see him as this failure of a man, right? And he reflects that by having been in prison and barely fitting in his suit and kind of being this washed out Soviet superhero, right? Always kind of giving his like little war stories. Giving it constantly talking about himself and being deeply unable to talk to his children. And like he can, can he understands what they're going through, but he feels com he's completely unable to communicate with them in a meaningful way, which is a why lot the of times it reminds you of Mr. Incredible. 
yeah, it's it's kind of like I feel like Mr. Incredible never actually had time to do anything with his kids in those movies. Well, I mean, they have the whole him putting a suit on bit and then uh, him talking about his glory days. I mean, it's yeah, a yeah, okay, so like, okay, yeah, I get what but you like mean. it's there. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. You're right. Um, and like the only moment that he's able to really connect with Yelena is when he's singing the song uh, Don McLean's American American Pie. Um, and I, I fucking love that song. And uh, like that's the moment that he's most able to connect with her because he's not forced to put into words what he's feeling. He's able to just share something with her, right? Whereas you have the mom, uh, Rachel Weiss's character, who you know Natasha says is is a coward. She's she's kind of like a traditionalist family member, right? Like a character who's like she, she lives by the old ways more or less, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even at the detriment of her kids, she's been living by this old coat that she was raised on. It's like, oh, I went through the black widow program four times you know i i've been through it all you know i i you know you kids will be fine so there's like this really great flawed pair uh, family dynamic between them all right and having red guardian in that as an actually interesting person and character it just blows my mind that he basically just started as propaganda and i mean you could say the same thing for captain america although captain america obviously had more time both in the comics and out to develop it just kind of I just find it really interesting that a character that has such a dumb idea as like Russian Captain America who's bad can actually be a character who means something. So that's the main thing I want to talk about there. The second thing I want to talk about is completely in universe garbage. He constantly talks about having fought Captain America in the 70s. He does you know I it's don't, a lie. I don't know. If it's a lie or not? I mean, I don't think he fought Steve Rogers. <clears throat> but I kind of feel like he might have fought someone with the captain america mantle Hmm. and so when i was thinking about this my first thing from the comics that i was thinking about is isaiah bradley however isaiah bradley as he's currently portrayed it's not likely that it's him but because we we see isaiah bradley in falcon and winter soldier we're gonna be talking about i think next week right yep yeah we see him in falcon winter soldier he was a super a superhero a superhuman soldier who fought in the korean war and we know that he beat the shit out of Bucky. So this man could fight. I don't think I would be surprised is during the time in the Korea War where Isaiah Bradley was fighting there that he fought with the Red Guardian. I kind of think that the Red Guardian thinks he fought Captain America because he fought a different Captain America. Someone who had it more probably as like, not, a, not probably didn't have the shield, but probably kind of had it like his design in the comics, something similar to that. Mm. I feel I think that's the case, and I feel really confident in this idea. That'd be a cool line to, line to follow. I I really I find it like because, and I also really wanted a bit more follow up in that because uh, we have a scene where he fights Taskmaster, and Taskmaster fights with Captain America style, and he doesn't mention that. And he like I, I saw a lot of people saying, well, "Okay, let me let me clarify." Taskmaster is uh, one of the villains of this movie. She's incredibly boring, and I don't care about her. But yep. her ability is to mimic the powers of other superheroes that she's watched. Or not the powers, the, the fighting capabilities. So she fights with Captain America style and um, Red Guardian fights her and doesn't really ever make note of that. And when I first saw that, I, I said to Tati, I'm like, oh, I kind of wish there was like kind of a, a throwback line to that. Something that directly references everything that he said, all his stories about fighting Captain America. Then again, actually thinking about it, if he fought Isaiah Bradley instead, he it wouldn't, he, it would be completely different. It wouldn't be the shield. It'd be a totally different yeah. fighting style. Uh, although granted, he actually says he fought Captain America with the shield. I don't know. Listen, they could fucking do it. I still think I'm right. Or um, he could be just lying. Or he could just be lying. But I don't yeah. think he is. Like he he loves his war stories and he like but he kind of lives up to his own hype in a certain not in like a as, as like a person, 
but he lives up to his own hype as like an icon. You know what I mean? He wouldn't tell a lie is what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think he's the kind of guy who would tell a lie about that just to embellish himself, especially something so stupid that they could just be like, he was frozen in the ice like that, you know? Yeah. I think he's very prideful. I don't think he would want to tarnish to... that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think he did fight someone he believed to be Captain America. And I feel like right now, the fact that they just introduced Isaiah Bradley in another show like a month ago, I think it's him. I feel pretty confident in that suggestion. Okay. Um, I also just want to, I guess, touch on um, Marvel has a villain problem, man. I don't know how they're still fucking that up, dude. It's been 20 years. How do you not have this shit down? Yeah, people were hyped for Taskmaster. I didn't know. I was incredibly not hyped. I love I love Taskmaster. Taskmaster mm-hmm. is one of my favorite. It's like eh, one of my favorites is a stretch. I like Taskmaster a lot. You know, I've seen him in comics. I've seen him in some of the animated Spider-Man shows. I really like him. This is not Taskmaster at all this is just a, this is like when they did deadpool but they made him quiet i thought that you're gonna go for when they did the uh mandarin twist or when they did the mandarin twist this is very similar to that this is not comic book taskmaster and normally i don't care about that you know in adaptation things can change this is this is not the red guardian that we have in any of the comics this is no inter- iteration of the red guardian it's totally but he's different good. but he's good that's the thing right like he's good so i'm okay with the change because i like this new angle they're taking with him this Taskmaster is boring. She's so boring. She's like she's like Ghost from Ant-Man 2, but worse. Like, there's just nothing going on. Drakenhoff is a boring fucking lead villain, and Taskmaster has... I don't even like Taskmaster's suit, man. It just feels like a weird sport visor and like a bad skull bottom design. They should have gone all in with the comic book design. They should have made Taskmaster fun. I still think Taskmaster should have actually been in Ant-Man 2, and I stand by that fact. All I don't I, like I, any. I got nothing. Task, I got nothing off this. Taskmaster in the comics is a ex Shield agent. Um, so when in Ant Man Two, Ghost is captured by a member of Shield, seemingly and taken away and, and working for them. I had my money on it being Taskmaster, and I stand that it should have been Taskmaster the entire time. I stand by that statement, and the fact that this is who we get him in, get her in, I guess now, um, it sucks. It's just not good. It's not good. I don't know how Marvel still manages to drop the ball on their villains so fucking hard constantly yeah but when they do nail it it's pretty good like thanos killmonger yeah. is overhyped but i mean like no killmonger is not overhyped killmonger deserves the hype killmonger is one of the best the second best villain in the mcu it's overhyped when you compare to joker which joker you he- know which Heath joker. ledger yes i mean yeah he Ledger. well Heath ledger also beats up okay as a, as a character as a performance either because it feels always hard. This is going to be a complete tangent now. It feels hard to rate Joker as a character because he's not a person. He's a he's a literal force of nature in in especially in the Dark Knight. He's meant to be like a philosophical opposition to Batman, right? Okay. He's like the he's like the opposite of social law as as a concept. He's the opposite of Harvey Dent. He's the opposite of all these ideas. He's not really a character, so it always feels weird to rank him as one when he's kind of beyond that. He's a he's a concept and an idea turned into a character for the sake of Christopher Nolan's story, which is great. Okay. Joker is still one of the greatest. It's, it's, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like, I almost can't rate him against someone like Thanos or Killmonger because he's just not even on. He's not playing this game. He's somewhere else. He's doing something completely different than these guys are. Okay. Um, whereas Killmonger, definitely, I think the second best villain of the MCU. But then even in like, I haven't seen all the Marvel shows. I haven't finished Loki. I'm going to hopefully I'm going to catch up for Friday um, for next week, I should say. But, um, you know, the villains in Falcon and Winter Soldier are either not good or not handled super well, I think. Uh, the villain of WandaVision 
is garbage and I hate her. And I think that she drastically ruins the show, despite the fact that I love the actress and I actually was really enjoying all of her scenes before the whole villain stuff. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm not going to say anything too big here, but um, I just can't believe that even now post Thanos, they've dropped the ball. I haven't again, haven't seen Loki, but outside of that, they have dropped the ball every single time. Every single time they've dropped the ball without fail. And I, I just it just drives me wild. That's like, holy shit. How are yeah. you still getting this wrong? Even even fucking Snyder Cut Justice League had a better villain than these three that I'm that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a shame that they still can't nail it every single time. I don't know. They 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 nail it less. Uh, that's than honestly they like nail the it less part than of the movie. Yeah, it is. It is. It is the weakest part of the movie. Because second part is being the fucking song. <laughs> yeah, like there's <laughs> there's not a lot bad about this movie. Strong cast, strong character dynamic. Really um, cool set pieces. Great set pieces. Yeah. Love the action is mostly fantastic looking. Mostly. Yeah. Uh, for the most <laughs> I can't think, like the slowdowns. The fire. The fire looks so bad. The fire effect is bad. And then they do the fire effect with the slowdown just to let you savor how terrible it looks. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, all the set pieces are fantastic. There's like piece, there's a new the piece of music. The avalanche one is cool. That, yeah. Her yeah. falling through the sky is, is really cool. cool. The chase uh, scene through that city in Europe where yeah, Cassius cool. is on a, on the truck. That's really cool. Um, even like the actual like fight with Black Widow against all the other widows, I think that's a great fight. Yeah. Um, Red Guardian against Taskmaster is a really good fight. Like Red Guardian just as a character. I mean, again, David Harbour is playing him. He's great as him. Even the, the opening op- is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say even the opening yeah. sequence is fucking great. I love the opening sequence actually. I think it's, I mean, it's something me, I've really enjoyed. Me and my family were joking like, at because uh, Alexi. A.K. Red Guardian is on the wing of a plane, shoot, sniping at uh, police as they come. Yeah, we joked that did he just hang on the entire time? They didn't let him in. That's we said the same. Yeah, that's exactly same, what we did too. Same thing. <laughs> um, but it's yeah. Great. Like, a- after that, as they're flying away, he looks like, "Can I get him in now?" It's like, "No, no, you're good out there. You're good aim. You're better aim." <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's so little to really have a problem with this in this movie, and I think that that almost highlights the fact that the villain sucks even more because yeah. suddenly it's like if this villain was good this movie would probably be a lot higher on the list. You know, if the villain was maybe like, I kind of maybe would have like, even if the villain was an older Black Widow programmer, someone from the USSR days. Kind of like Zemo? Not not necessarily. Zemo has an ideal. Zemo has an ideal. Like in the same kind of, not as a a fight. No, former Black Widow means she is a fighter. Yeah. But Uh, I would have just liked her to have a, a more, like, the whole Drakenhoff thing, he's like the head of this program and he's someone that Scarlett Johansson, I mean, that, that a Black Widow thinks she killed um, at an earlier point in a story that we've never seen and we've only kind of re- heard of once in Avengers, you know? And we don't no, really know anything about it. They mention it in multiple Avengers. Is it in multiple they Avengers? They, I think they keep mentioning Budapest. I don't know if it's just... Yeah, I, they do. I know they mentioned they it. Do I, reference I remembered it once. I didn't remember more than once. But either way, it's a story we've it's never a seen. Line. It's a throwaway line yeah. of a story we've never seen. And he's this villain with a past related to her that we've never seen. And it's all deeply uninteresting. Whereas I would have preferred... I, I don't know. I, again, I didn't think about this beforehand. But right now, for me, the idea that might have been fun is, is a back widow from the program who was much earlier on, who had been through all of this extensive testing and programming and the abuse that they all undergo in the program only to find herself now at the head of the program at this time again literally spitballing have no real thought beyond that but anything would have been better than what we got (laughs) truly i think that uh with taskmaster making it his daughter it's kind of like trying to absolve the fact that the one of the avengers has killed somebody like that we see yeah like obviously like they've 
definitely killed people yeah. in like the aftermath of things but um yeah <laughs> yeah but like in terms of like seeing an innocent person die by the hands of an avenger like they had to kind of come correct with that and you know what's the dumbest thing about that they write in the fact that she murdered a child in this movie it's like yeah. they write the, <laughs> they they write the problem to be like okay now we erase the problem it's like that's so stupid and tight oh again the villains just frustrating me to no end I do want to say though that I'm actually something I am kind of disappointed in is like I would have I mean I understand that you know Jeremy Renner he's not uh, yeah he's not he's not you know Someone as young as he used to be <laughs> but I think that having him in that like flashback that flashback like that would have just been that would have like really been a good thing and you know it's because what's... like all they do is kind of like show that they they did yeah, have a dynamic experiences yeah like some kind of like dynamic um but you know what i think's even worse it, about that he's literally yeah. filming hawkeye he must have been just on the next fucking lot man <laughs> just doing voiceover for hawkeye he's like he like he, i don't understand why he wasn't there either but um yeah i mean this is the thing like i also had like a kind of thought oh why didn't why didn't any of these characters show up in infinity war or endgame and it's like in Infinity War, I'm like, oh, why didn't she call in her army of super assassins to help defend Wakanda from fucking aliens? Or in Endgame, it's like, I guess you can say she's dead. So it's like, oh, you know, they can't, they don't want knows but her because they're all dead. But or it's snapped. like, yeah, or, or, or well, they got unsnapped at the end. <laughs> they probably well, yeah, but wouldn't have known. They have no idea what's going on. If she's dead, who, do, who gets Yeah, the exactly, call? exactly. Like, that's the yeah. thing. But like, I think that's a larger problem that is not only the MCU, but superhero comics have as a whole, where it constantly starts to feel like, well, with your particular weird threat, like why the fuck did and nobody call someone from the Avengers to talk about talk to Wanda? Well, what that's the, the same shit. Yeah, that's the same show with every movie, every solo yeah, Avengers it's, movie. It's like, oh, why didn't you call a fuck? Why didn't Spider Man call everybody yeah. for this shit? Yeah, it's exactly. The same thing it's, with all that. And it's 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 a weird thing because it's like a logical issue, but it also doesn't matter. But it's um, like, I just feel like yeah, it's worth mentioning. Because if you actually think, oh, why didn't you call Iron Man to save your ass? It's like, well, the movie would be two minutes long then. Yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> you, you have to not care about it. Um, and I don't. I don't fucking give a shit. But I think it's worth mentioning here, especially when it's like an army of super female assassins. And it's like, you had a hard time fighting those aliens on Wakanda. It might have been nice to have an army of super assassins. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's like, at the same time, it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, and um, to be fair with how natasha is she she really want to call it a favor yeah probably yeah yeah again, again but that's like you have to make these weird like probably based Logical. on the character they wouldn't yeah. do that you know that's the same shit i have to do for star wars constantly <laughs> it's just and i think that one of my big problems with this movie is like i was saying is that a lot of things feel sudden and it feels all out of place and and a lot of things that i wanted explored like the aftermath of civil war that i thought this movie would explore don't really ever get fleshed out in any meaningful way right or how the governments look at superheroes after Civil War and stuff like that. And I completely I mean, blame Star Wars. hunted, but at yeah. the same time, it's not like... It's not really touched. Not she gets hunted in the beginning point. and then at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it never happens. So <laughs> I, I blame Star Wars for the way I look in this movie with that. Just because Star Wars will, will cut up every little fucking detail. I will know what Luke Skywalker had for lunch on his 30th birthday at some point. You know? Whereas here, like, the fact that they only really explore this in movies means that there's a lot of just blank space where you're kind of left to in, it kind of imply things and sort of fill in gaps on your own. And it's okay that they do it that way. It's not necessarily a problem. Not everything needs to have a massive expanded lore universe like Star Wars. 
but I think this is one of those moments where it hurts the most because like they're going backwards in their timeline. Things feel kind of vague. Things are sort of happening. These, mm. these things that were briefly referenced that never really got built up in any meaningful way are occurring and showing up. It, it all feels a bit loose. Things aren't really getting explored super well in certain places. It all feels loose. But then it's all That's... saved by its amazing action and super fun characters and fucking um, the, the family dynamic being, by to me, the highlight of the entire film. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Because they all work great off each other. I do love uh, Yelena. Yeah, Yelena. Mm-hmm. She's been her, her joke about the whole movie of why the hell are you posing? Yeah. After every, yeah. Fucking, I love it. Because, I mean, like, that's just a meta joke. It's like, yeah, why is every time she drops down from something, she's doing the fucking. She's doing the fucking pose. Because yeah. yeah. one comic book wrote her drew, drew it. I had a moment where, like, I was wondering if they had, like, an additional, like, face reveal because she did that pose. Mm. like when she dropped and then also like because i never noticed that natasha had um ear piercings and then we kept kind of seeing the ear piercing when she was talking to um the doctor whatever yeah big bad no big bad guy um in his office yeah i I thought there'd be like a second face review yeah oh it was actually (laughs) the layers god Uh, um but no yeah it's a it's a fun movie it's It's definitely uh, I, I think we might have come above off half of uh, it's above half of the MC movies. Yeah, I think I'm, I might have come off a little bit harsh on it for sure. Um, I think it's actually really fun. I think it's the character it's dynamics are expected. strong. It's a lot better than you're going to expect. I think it's actually really fun. Yeah. I think, yeah, above average on the MCU scale, well above the middle ground. Um, by, by probably even a little decent bit because the middle, the, the MCU, even in its more modern phase, has, has some stinkers. I got to say. Um, I mean, it's better than Ant Man's, but I think it's better than both Spider Man. Um, I'm not too hot on Spider Man. I don't necessarily agree with that. I definitely think it's better than Ant Man two. I'd probably put it on par ish with Ant Man one. Maybe again, I've seen Ant Man one once. I like Ant Man. I like it, but maybe it's because I'm haven't seen it in a while that I'm. Yeah, it's a lot better than I'm, most of the old stuff. A lot of the old stuff has not aged very well. Well, yeah, Iron, we Man, know, Iron Man 2 and 3, all the first two Thors, Hulk. Uh, God, anything pre-Avengers is a mess. Yeah. Guardians of, 2 I mean, isn't very it's good, better I than, think. It's better than uh, Age 2. I mean, Age 2. Age of Ultron. I, wanna, mm-hmm. I gotta rewatch Age of Ultron. I gotta rewatch Age of Ultron and Captain Marvel because I want to know where I really put those on the tier list at this point. But aside from that, I think it's actually time we talk about the post-credit sequence. Yes, the coveted thing that all Marvel fans care about literally more than their own lives. Yep. Um, they, it's this. They're doing some. So this is this this post credit sequence. Um, it relates to Winter Soldier. Relates to Winter Soldier. This woman seemingly is recruiting, um, her own Avengers team. One might even call them a Dark Avengers, or maybe the Thunderbolts. I'm not really sure which team they're going to adapt. But um, they're doing one of the two, and I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. It just like because when I saw the Winter Soldier scene. I wasn't sure what... I, I thought they were just hiring U.S. agent. I thought that was, like, the end of it. You know, it's just, oh, they got U.S. Spoiler agent. Spoiler for that. Uh, you'll live. Um, spoilers, anyway. <laughs> you'll live. Spoilers always. Yeah, spoiler warning Yeah, I mean, always. yeah, you come into an MCU episode. You, yeah, like, it's it's okay. Listen, I don't think that's not really a big deal. But... Well, I mean, it's for the shows. It's definitely... Yeah, but, like, the fact that they're actually doing proper Dark Avengers, I think it's going to be Dark Avengers. I don't think this is going to be Thunderbolts. The team doesn't really line up roster-wise. It feels closer to Dark Avengers. And the fact that they're doing that is just wild to me because I really thought that like they were just going to set up Yelena to be the next Black Widow. 
but no, she's going to be the Black Widow on this team. And like, that's so weird because the team itself, I think it had like Harvey, Harvey Osborn as Iron Patriot. And it has like fucking um, Wolverine's son in it. And like a Kree disguised as Captain Marvel. A lot of weird picks that outside of the Captain Marvel one don't really exist right now, <laughs> you know? And I'm kind of wondering how they're going to build this team going forward. Like, are they going to add the abomination? We know he's in Shang-Chi. Are they, you know, like this girl is like this, the, the girl from Seinfeld. She's like the new Nick Fury kind of like pulling together this government oh, team. Seinfeld. I can't remember Julian her name. I can never remember her name, but she's so funny. Um, she She's like pulling together this team and I'm, I'm, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I'm a little apprehensive. I've been a little apprehensive of everything after Infinity War to be after Endgame, to be honest, just because mm-hmm. that was a very natural conclusion to the story being told and set up. And, and now, get, um, yeah, it's now we are now finally seeing the main plot of what they're doing. Like we know they're doing multiverse on the on the big cosmic side of things, and mm-hmm. we now know that on the smaller scale of things, they're also doing Dark Avengers. And right. it's just. Uh, I'm a little apprehensive. Like, I, I get the multiverse stuff. I understand the fact that the scale can only really go up after Infinity War, right? Yeah. And they're setting all that up. They've been setting it up in WandaVision. They're setting it up in Spider-Man. They're setting it up in Loki. Um, but Dark Avengers feels so... It feels like such a strange story to adapt. But at the same time, I guess they're kind of running out of major things to work with. Yeah, like we were like what you were saying, sorry, when we were watching it, that... They, they kind of adapted all their big stories. They've adapted a lot. Of, they adapted the Infinity War saga. They could do like Infinity Crusade and all that other stuff once they get Adam Warlock in, which they I mean, will. They just still got to do Secret Wars and stuff or no? They, Secret Wars is probably going to be Multiverse of Madness, honestly. The second Secret War, not the first one. Okay. Second Secret War is definitely going to be, I think, Multiverse of Madness or maybe it'll... Actually, I think it's getting its own move, its own show, but it's going to spin off. It's, it's, it's all about the multiverse and like parts of the multiverse collapsing in on itself and that's how Miles Morales ends up on in the, like the main... 616 universe i think i actually haven't read this second secret wars the first secret wars is completely different and i don't think we're ever going to get an adaptation of that um but like it's just it's just like this is one of those stories that feels very weird to me because i don't even think i don't think it was particularly well received by the fans at that time if i'm remembering correctly because it's brian michael bendis but i think it's post daredevil brian michael bendis which means i don't think it's good because i only i only read part of it ages ago Hmm. And I don't remember the reception being super positive either. So this is a really weird thing. I don't know if once they start doing it, if it's going to end up going over super well with fans. I think people might consider this to be a weird point. I don't have any evidence for this. It's just a gut feeling. I hope I'm wrong because I, you know, I, I enjoy the MCU casually. But Dark Avengers, it's it's a weird one for me. It's really weird. I don't I don't I don't think I don't think it's going to work. I mean, they're going with different routes now. They're doing Eternals and all that shit. So let's, I, yeah, let, let's see where that goes. Yeah, yeah I, I think it just comes down to like how they set, like how it goes. Yeah, it looks like yeah, they're going to be setting this stuff for a couple more movies, and then I'm guessing it'll yeah. get either a movie or a Disney Plus show or something, or both. Um, probably going to end up with Moonlight, Moon Knight on that team, and maybe even She Hulk. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, both those shows are coming out next year, I think. Yeah, so it could be that they're both they're all set up for that as well. In which case, maybe it'll work. I don't know. I just I don't know. I don't have I don't feel like I have that much faith in it right now. The idea I mean there's nothing to really truly go off of. I'm going I'm going off of the 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 concept in the comic. I haven't I didn't read all the comic, I'm not gonna pretend I did. I only read part of it. Cut first, like maybe five, ten. No, actually I read more than that. 
I read I read a little, I read a bit of it. I don't remember how much. Okay. Um, I read a decent enough bit of it that I that I can remember distinctly feeling like this feels weird. I don't know if I like this idea, and I don't think it works. But then again, it was very different back then. I mean, you had fucking Harvey Osborne, the Green Goblin, as Iron Patriot. So clearly, their their things are gonna have to be different. I'll wait. You know, I shouldn't judge it so early. I just have a weird feeling about it. I have a weird. I'm gonna just put that down. I have a weird feeling about it. I don't know. That's it. A dark feeling. A dark, one could say it's a God dark feeling. It. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. A pun. <laughs> Let's go. Let's fucking go, boys. Um. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No. It's worth your time. It's it's good. It's good. Yeah. Watch it. If you if you're an MCU fan, you already watched the movie. Uh, if you're not, I, I mean, honestly, go watch Man from Uncle. If you're kind of in between and you watch them casually, yeah, watch the movie and go watch Man from Uncle. You can't go wrong. Man from Uncle. Yeah, Man from Uncle. On that note, though, I think it might just be time to do our rankings. Does that sound good to everybody here? Yep. All right. Let's get started. Number three. Uncle. Casino Royale. Casino Royale. It's a, it's a sad day for Tyler. If Faison was here, <laughs> if Faison was here, he I, he would have the numbers game. If Faison was here today, because we asked Faison, he liked to see Noriel more. You would have the numbers, but now you're a minority. How does it feel? Tyler? How does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not touching this one. <laughs> Very bottom energy of you. Anyhow, number two. What are your thoughts? Fuck you, Chris. Uh, Black, Black Widow. Yeah, Black Widow. Yeah, I, I say Black Widow as well. It's fun. Like we get uh, all of our reasonings for all of these, so it's not yeah, a yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not, it shouldn't shock anybody. And I want to, I want to, you know, I'll reestablish all three of these, I think, are pretty solid movies. Yeah, they're um, all worth a watch. They're all worth a watch. Um, I just, I just like for you know, let's just go to number one and I'll talk about it. Number one, because you know, Man from Uncle, Man from Uncle. Yeah. it's it is such to me, it is the it is again the perfect popcorn movie. It is, I the, could watch it like now. I could put it, I could throw it on at any given point of the day. I genuinely think there's something like this movie's super underrated. I think it's a gem. I think that more people need to try it. There is something about this movie. That Henry Cavill's way of speaking and it is just like so proper and like so posh. so different. So different because yeah. everything is perfectly said and he says it exactly how you would do impersonating a 50 spy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah. It's great. And I, I truly think that more people should watch this movie because I, I, I bet most people haven't. And I think they're missing out on what I truly believe to be a damn good time. I mean, we literally watched it on uh, a very legal site and it kept like buffering and we had to keep pausing. Oh, yeah. Same like here. That. Yeah. yeah. And why didn't you just download it for us? Why didn't you download why it? Why don't you just us? legally, legally, Acqu- download yeah, it legally acquire it, Tyler? From your I, many I, legal I, sources. I, because I was going good and then it didn't. And I was like, oh, I, I can I can uh, uh-huh. wait a second to do this again. And then it kept happening. And at that point, I was like, oh, there's only He's 10 committed. minutes left. No, there was only 10 it. minutes left. I'm not going to go through all that to, for 10 minutes. Nah, he committed sure. to it. Yeah, I think it's, I think that it's, uh, I think it's a great time. I truly love it. And uh, that's the binge. Tyler, do the thing. Uh, review us, rate us, uh, send us. Enthusiasm, Tyler. I don't know. It's hard to be enthusiastic when uh, Faison's still stuck in Budapest. <laughs> I, it's so true. We miss him so much. I'm sorry if today was low energy, guys. I don't. I don't know. We don't know if we'll ever have him again. Uh, thankfully, you can just replace him with my girlfriend. So you know, it's 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 fine. Um. <laughs> I just want to point out that st- I want to start the conspiracy theory. Uh, Chris put out the hit on Faison. I just want to send that right now. <laughs> just to bring me back in. <laughs> yeah. Tyler, what? Who would I put the hit on? You or Faison? 
It would be way too obvious if it was me. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, I had to be more subtle with it. Listen, all I'm saying is every You want to put the hit on Faison and then frame me. That's how it's gonna be. Every all I'm saying is every time Faison's here, my girlfriend is is not Faison's not here, my girlfriend is here. And uh, you know, at one point, Tyler, one point you're not gonna be here anymore. And I just think you need to be aware of that. Fact. All right, so officers, this clip right here, this <laughs> clip clearly states this man is trying to murder me. This is going to come to bite. Some, some, I'm, I'm putting it right now. Something from this podcast is going to come back to bite my ass in court. Eventually. Mm. I don't know what's it going to be. I don't know if I'm going to end up reading, you know, copyrighted fanfic live on stage or what it is. But something's going to come up come to bite my ass. I'm telling you. Um, yeah, no, but I am the one who murdered Tyler. I'm sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, see, no, that way, you know what? That makes more sense is that you told the assassin, hey, go kill Tyler. And then after the fact, you're like, oh, wait, I meant Faison. <laughs> you know, I, I just always get it wrong. Oh, He's... wait, opposite way, opposite way. You said kill Faison, <laughs> but you meant me. Uh, Tyler got it wrong too. See, if I confuse myself enough, everyone else has to be confused along with me. Tyler, do the plugs though, and enthuse this time, please. Is it Faison still here with us in spirit? Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, the plugs. Uh, we're great reviewers. Uh, let us know what your favorite spy movie out of these, or you know, any spy movie. We're gonna get on that probably next year or at some point. Uh, follow us on Twitter, three two one binge. Check out Apology SoundCloud again. Check out the bite size, bite size reviews for. Um, the Movie Complex channel, that's the podcast-only version. The YouTube is the uh, Movie Complex channel. Are, do we, is our Twitter link in our bio? Yes. It is, no. yeah. Click the bio. Check the bio. Check the Twitter link. Uh, we put polls. We do... All, T- Tati runs literally all of that shit. So what, what do you do here? <laughs> what do I do? What do you do here? Yeah, what do you provide <laughs> to the company? Well, I mean, right now, I'm not, I'm not really on top of my games. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit behind, probably, on today's tweets, huh? It's almost like she has to watch two movies back to back with me. You know, I, t- I tweet about the new episodes. I make sure, you know, you guys stay. Uh, uh, you can tell we just put her on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I got nothing on this. Polls, tweet. I, I'm a do monster. I do try to do some fun tweets sometimes. Yeah, there was one, it's, it's nice one about, one nice one about Chris today about how he loves bad movies. I love bad movies. What can oh I say? It's bad the- movies, trash reality uh, we, me, we, me and Tati have been watching Love Island. It's so good. Oh, it's the okay. reason. It's the reason we had to watch the movies today. Because I kept watching more Love Island. <laughs> you suck. I couldn't. I couldn't stop watching. I need. I, I. You never think. You think you make fun of them the whole time. You think you don't care. And then one of them gets voted off. And suddenly, maybe the twins were more than a gimmick. Maybe they were people. And maybe you cared about those people all along. Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. I hate you so much. (laughs) Like, so much. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.